You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Welcome to the 42 cast, your ultimate answer to fandom, geekiness, and everything. As always, I'm your host, Nathan, and we have another great episode lined up for you where we're going to talk about Season 5 of Gotham. Yes, you might be asking, what year is this? <laughs> well, this is one of those pre-pandemic episodes that I've been talking about for a while that we've had stored up. So, yes, there will be references to things like Dragon Con, but we're talking about Dragon Con 2019, not the upcoming Dragon Con 2023. So it's a different world, a different time. So take anything that we mention that is of what we're doing with the grain of salt that this was what we were doing almost four years ago now. But I felt like Gotham was a series that I enjoyed enough and we had enough of a good discussion here that we should still share this content. And for any of you who have never watched Gotham or haven't watched it in a long time and who want to, the entire series is available on HBO Max, so you can subscribe to HBO Max if you're in the United States. I'm not sure. For those of you who are listening to us from other countries, uh, it probably is available somewhere streaming for you, but I wouldn't know exactly where for you to look to find it. But in the U.S., uh, you can go to HBO Max, you can watch all five seasons, and so I highly recommend before you listen to this episode that you do that, because we will talk about season five, and we're also going to talk about the season as a whole. So. Hope you enjoy it, and without further ado, here is the podcast already in progress. Let's meet the people we're going to chat with about it, and so first up, you know him from the ESO Mothership. He is uh, a comics creator. He is our buddy, Mike Gordon. How are you doing, Mike? Howdy. Thanks once again for the invite. I always love coming back into Gotham. Hey, no problem. We love having you on the show. You never know what's going to happen. Right. 11. Forget 11. <laughs> We're cranking that dial all the way up to 25. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so uh, how have things been going, Mike? Uh, great. Great. Uh, things are good. I'm, I'm just about to start a, uh, a Kickstarter so um, to, to help one of my projects. So we'll see how that goes. Um, but uh, everything else is just great. Awesome. Fantiki-tastic, I like to say. <laughs> right. Um, so do you, do you have things lined up for Dragon Con already, or is, the, uh, or, or is that all still in flux? Um, well, um, I mean, it's always in flux well, sure, um, yeah, until afterwards, and then it kind of still is in flux. Sure. Um, so, uh, yeah, but, I mean, things are coming together. It's amazing to me that we're, like, less than 100 mm. days away. So... Uh, that's kind of crazy. So all of a sudden I'm like, oh, I wanted to get a book done by then. I better mm. really start better working on that. Yeah. 
<laughs> That's okay. Once I figure out what panels I'm going to be on, then the panic starts of, I have to review all of this stuff before I go so that I sound intelligent. So I was still, like, watching, like, Red Dwarf episodes, like, <laughs> in the hotel room, like, when I went, because uh, when I went, I was on a Red Dwarf panel, so it was kind of like I wanted to review the whole series. So, yeah, yeah, it can, it can be like that. But, uh... Well, that's cool, though, that you got some stuff lined up and, and everything. So uh, how are things going on the mothership? Uh, we are, you know, we are moving slowly but surely to episode 500. Mm-hmm. Uh, we just recently recorded episode 475. So, uh, so yeah, we, will, we intend to hit 500 by the end of the year. Um, that's a pretty big deal. So we're, we've got some stuff planned out. We'll see how well that comes to fruition, but, uh, yeah. Um, and we don't show any signs of slowing down. I mean, physically I'm, I'm showing a lot of signs of slowing down, but, uh, podcast wise, (laughs) podcast wise, not so much. Okay. So nothing you can share with us yet about the plans for number 500? No, because as soon as I, it comes out of my mouth, I'm sure it'll be like, not, it won't happen. So. Okay. All right. So, yeah, I mean, you guys just need to do, like, some sort of big release with, uh, you know, a bunch of different covers, you know, by different (laughs) artists, and, you know, then you need to reboot everything from number one, and, you know, that's, that's what gets the people drawn in. Yeah, yeah, new new ESO, right? Um, right. And then followed by rebirth, just not uh, six months later. Uh, sure, that's what that's what we'll do. Well, first we've got to have a crisis. So right. I, I'm telling you, I'm down for crisis on infinite podcasts. Uh, that that's a daily appear. That's a daily thing for us. You're right. Oh man, all the ESO shows get smushed into one. Absolutely. <laughs> um, but. Oh, that's funny. Uh, but it's good to have you back on the show, Mike. It's great to be here. Thank you. You're welcome. All right, next up, hailing to us straight from the Death Star, he is one of the heads of the Two-Headed Snake. That is the American Sci-Fi Classics track, and that is my buddy and yours, Gary Mitchell. How are you doing, Gary? I'm back. <laughs> are you, though? Uh, well, no, not really. Okay. Neither was he, but except for like two minutes. But that's, <laughs> right. I'll, I'll save it for the, the meat of the show. But yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, well, it's just funny to me. You're saying I'm Batman, but you, uh, your image has a Darth Vader helmet on. Well, because I, 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 I have always pledged Imperial loyalty. I do actually, you know, have the <laughs> Imperial logo tattooed on my arm, so I kind of have to stick with the branding. Oh, okay, cool. Um, so, uh, how about you? Uh, anything you can share to us about uh, the American Sci-Fi Classics track at Dragon Con this year? Uh, we've got The Crow, which surprised me. I thought that was going to end up over in Urban Fantasy, but we've got it. Uh, well, every year you have The Crow. You have Joe Crow. That's true. I think that's the main reason that we got it. <laughs> <laughs> it's just too perfect not to have The Crow. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, we are definitely doing another eighth anniversary. We are doing... Uh, the alien anniversary, 40 years of unexpected dinner interruptions. <laughs> That's a great title. Thank you. I came up, I, I was very proud of that one when I came up with it. <laughs> and I think the biggest news is that Joe and I are going to be in a cage fight. Yes. Yes. Now tell me, tell me you guys are going to be wearing the luchador masks. Uh, I can neither confirm nor deny anything except that it's happening. <laughs> 
Okay. <laughs> uh, people who pay attention to the, the Dragon Con Classics Pack Track Facebook group uh, will see updates as we get closer. Uh, I will actually be cutting my first promo tonight uh, to post up on the, the Facebook group probably either late tonight or in the morning sometime. Mm. Now, is this going to be like a Thursday night before Dragon Con thing, or is this going to be actually during one of the days of the con? This is going to be during one of the days of the con. It's a panel. Okay. <laughs> and who's going to be your announcer? Uh, we are planning to actually ask, although he's already agreed, but we're going to officially ask in public, uh, Dave, of course, to be okay. the announcer. Okay. And we already have a special guest referee lined up. <laughs> oh, that sounds like a lot of fun. Yeah, it, it's going to be a ball. <laughs> Now, have you picked your movies yet for the uh, for the uh, fundraiser and for the um, and for the uh, what, what do you call it? Where the uh, you put a movie on trial? I forget what oh, that's the called. Classic now. court. At classic court. Yep. Uh, let's see for the for the uh, the charity movie, the pay to get out movie this year mm-hmm. is Mac and Me. <laughs> All right, that's a good call. Yes, hosted uh, by uh, Michael Faulkner. He was supposed to defend it at Classic Court last year. And then he Mm. had to bow out because of a scheduling conflict, uh, which led to one of my favorite uh, moments before Con last year when his wife said, you mean we watched this movie for nothing? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, so, So we're making him host it. He has to stay the entire time. (laughs) That's great. Uh, And for the... uh, for the classic court, I know that Michael Bailey is defending Batman and Robin, mm. and God go with him. <laughs> right? <laughs> <laughs> I was hoping you guys were going to do Crawl, because I would have been all over defending Crawl. Uh, that may be happening, although it may be Bethany. Um, I'm not sure yet, but that, that one definitely needs some defending. I've seen a lot of hate on that movie lately, and these people are wrong. <laughs> yes. Yep. No, I I agree. I am I am ready, man. If you need somebody to defend crawl, I will I will be there. Be, uh, be ready. We may tag you in. <laughs> right. <laughs> I'll pull up my sleeves and everything. <laughs> oh man. So uh, so anything else going on for you? Uh, not at the moment. Uh, I attended MomoCon for the first time this year. Mm-hmm. Three weeks ago now is it? Mm-hmm. Two weeks ago, three weeks ago, it's and. Yeah, and, you know, anime is not really my bag, so there was a lot of, I have no idea what that's from. I have no idea what that's from. But the video game stuff was great. Yeah, I love anime, and even I don't recognize the anime cosplays anymore because the anime that I love is, like, ten years old or more. So I I feel you, man. Well, see, the anime I love is, like, from the 70s, so. Right. (laughs) It's like, I I am not seeing any uh, Star Blazers cosplay going on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I see them online. I don't know what cons these people are going to. I wish I wish I was there, but yeah. Yeah, but it was a really great vibe. Uh, the energy from the crowd was amazing. They're helping my roommates who actually do vending stuff and uh, video game stuff. They were running a uh, a virtual reality setup that you mm. do, and they would broadcast that on Twitch. And they also had a five foot long Nintendo Classic controller that was. Working now, you play you played Nintendo classic Nintendo games on it. Mm, nice. Yeah, so that was cute. But I got I got to play some board games and hang out with people, and it was like, okay, yeah, I, uh, this isn't quite my bag, but I think I'll be back next year. All right, cool. Yeah, well, it's great to have you back on this show, Gary. Also, 
Always a pleasure. Thank you, sir. You're welcome. And finally, you know him as the guy from the Satellite of Love. He also has the screen name that sounds like a dinosaur, and that is my buddy, Mike Nelson. How are you doing, Mike? I'm doing good, brother. Uh, So how are uh, Tom and Crow and the other bots? Well, they got me into the gym, so (laughs) they... They kept go. They kept going with the fat jokes, and I got tired of it. Okay. So how long have you been going? Uh, this is week three. Mm. Uh, I'm not do so. I'm actually anime related. Ha ha. I'm actually doing the One Punch Man challenge. Okay. <laughs> uh, I have to finagle it a little bit because again, I am definitely out of weight and I have a ankle injury. Uh, so, but the mm. One Punch Man challenge is doing six running ten kilometers a day, which is about a little over six miles. Six miles a day, uh, then a hundred pushups and a hundred sit-ups for a hundred days. Wow. Yep. I am. My body hates me. It's. Mm. I'm, I'm dying. I'm dying. Yeah, no, I mean, six <laughs> miles a day is no joke. Well, I mean, so, well, and because, again, I have a bad ankle, and we're actually got really bad. I have to go to the doctor next week. Uh, but I had to modify it because I had time constraints. So Monday through Friday, I'm at the gym. I'm on the treadmill and the elliptical doing three miles. And then Saturday and Sunday, I'm actually walking slash jogging uh, the six miles, which mm. takes up about two hours of my of my day. So that's a good way sure, to start yeah. the morning. Yeah, no, that's, that's, that's really, I mean, I, you know, even when I was like trying to keep in shape, I never ran for that much, so <laughs> I'm impressed. Thank you. Yeah, it's, I saw one of my other uh, people I follow on Twitter doing it and he is doing a phenomenal, he's already halfway, he's already at day 50 and he looks phenomenal. And I was like, yep, you know what? I, I I'm going to do this. I don't believe in diets, but I do believe in exercise and mm-hmm. I'm changing my eating habits a little bit. Uh, I'm a very picky eater, so I have to pick and choose. I like gluten-free chicken pizza now. It's amazing. Huh. I I know, and I'm not even a gluten-free person. I don't even know what gluten is, but I just go with it. <laughs> and <laughs> yeah. I never heard of it until two until the year 2000. After then, it's a right. government conspiracy. No, I know. Yeah, yeah, no, I know. Yeah, suddenly everybody's got a gluten allergy when you never even heard about it more than 10 years ago. I I know. <laughs> I know, but, uh, I mean, but yeah, I, I was at the gym today and uh, I got home a couple of hours ago and I've just really just been, I got an ice pack on my ankle and just, whew, just trying to breathe and relax. Yeah, no, I mean, my hat's off to you, man. I mean, any, anytime, you know, you can, uh, you know, you, you take, take care of your body. It's a good thing. And, you know, I've gone through periods, <laughs> you know, where I've where I've done sort of intensive workouts and training, but uh, you know, the time constraints and everything that sort of always kills me because yeah, it, you know, you know, you get to a point where you're enjoying it, right? Like you enjoy running because it doesn't hurt yeah. anymore, right? You know, <laughs> it's like you enjoy lifting weights because it doesn't hurt anymore. But then, yeah, I mean, suddenly it's like you got all kinds of crazy stuff to do at work, and you got to you know go different places and everything, and it's like, oh crap, I don't have time or so. Um, it's good that you prioritize yeah that. my streams have been running a little bit late and i keep profusely apologizing to my viewers and every time they're like dude we get it keep running i'm like thanks guys and i do and i'm gonna give a public shout out <laughs> gary you look phenomenal yes you That's look true. amazing and you were another inspiration for that too it's like gary's looking great i want to look great too so let's do this because it was cause yeah, cause from, the look, down, yeah. yeah from, from the neck down i'm fantastic <laughs> 
Yeah, but I mean, like, so, like, you know, I've been your friend on Facebook throughout this entire journey, and so I can tell, you know, like, you know, I forget how many years it's been. I don't know if it's been two or three or whatever, but, you know, you, you have definitely, you know, like, changed over the years as you've started taking care of, you know, your body and everything. And, and so, yeah, Gary, it's, it's a phenomenal, it's phenomenal progress you've made. Well, thank you. Thank you. It's, it's not been easy. Like Mike said, it's, you got to be consistent at it. Mm-hmm. Uh, for me, it was mainly dietary changes. You know, I, uh, not eating two double quarter pounders with cheese for dinner every day. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. don't have a whole pizza to yourself, Mike. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> don't eat five, don't eat two five pound bags of jelly beans a week, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, yeah. And, and the motion, I got to tell you, you know, and, I'll, I'll give it the guy, uh, James fell his, uh, stuff on Facebook. It was one of his workout routines that I adapted that, mm-hmm. uh, really helped. He does this thing where you do like on, you go like Monday is push, you know, it's instead of doing like specific sets of exercises, mm-hmm. it's, you do the, you do like three reps you know, three sets of 15 reps of pushing type exercise of some kind. Then Tuesday is leg day. Wednesday is pull and it's all kinds of different pull stuff. Mm. Then Thursday it's leg day again. And then on Friday it's cardio, which for me was like a lot of walking Mm. and doing it that way. I'm able to vary it and keep from getting bored out of my skull. Yeah. And so that really helped. Yeah, no, no, it's, it's awesome. And, uh, and yeah, Mike, again, it's great that you're, uh, you know, that you're starting to, uh, you know, to do this. So yeah, keep us updated on the, on your progress. Oh, I will. I will. Cause it's also the best way I can try and binge arrow and the rest of the CWDC shows. <laughs> oh, yeah. So you're watching while you're exercising. Well, Monday through Friday, I am but on the weekends. It's an audiobook. <laughs> okay cool yeah no no that's awesome yeah see like when i was doing like that kind of thing like in the in the early 2000s it's like we didn't have smartphones and stuff like that and like yeah you could have a walkman but you know i for whatever reason either i didn't or just because i was afraid that all the shaking wasn't gonna you know (laughs) (laughs) work oh yeah i jogged in, in silence so yeah anyway all right but yeah no it was i'm sorry Oh, and might definitely do what I've been doing and take a picture like once a month, because if I hadn't done that, I can tell you after six months, I would have quit because I didn't see it because like, you look at it every day. But looking at the pictures mm. and I was able to go, oh, OK, it is working. Keep at it. But I already hate taking selfies as it is. <laughs> <laughs> well, at least weigh yourself then and keep track. I mean, I get that that can sometimes be misleading because once you start putting on muscle, it sort of goes counter yeah. to the fat that you're losing. And so it can be a little misleading, which is why pictures tend to be good. But at least track it somehow so that you give yourself something to, like, look, you know, look back on and say, hey, you know, this is, you know, this is the improvement I've made. Yeah, as a social media person, then he's like, take pictures. My, my self-esteem's like, go to hell. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, I don't want this to turn into the exercise podcast, but I will put in a quick <laughs> plug since we've gone that way uh, to a uh, friend of the show, Jeff Mueller. Uh, he, I always think his name is Mueller, but it's Mueller. Um, oh, I keep thinking it was he, Mueller, uh, too. He, Huh. Yeah, yeah, but he pronounces it Mueller, so anyway. He's weird. Uh, I don't get how you get that from those vowels together, but <laughs> all right. He's not writing a report, is he? Oh, right, yeah, no, that's what I was like. Mueller, Mueller. Yeah, that's why he changed it. But, but, uh, but yeah, Jeff Mueller, he was on uh, one of our Iron Fist episodes. Um, he uh, has his own podcast, Geek Fitness Matters, 
where they talk about exercise and keeping in shape and everything and do it in, you know, sort of geeky context. Like, their first episode was, like, talking about slaying your first cobalt. So, you know, <laughs> it's it's that kind of show. So, um, yeah. So, anyway, so, yeah, if you're interested in exercising and reaching out to somebody who's knowledgeable, if you don't know where to start, you know, uh, Jeff's a great resource for that. He's always happy to help anyone who's starting on, like, their fitness journey. So, um, so yeah, check check them out. That's Geek Fitness Matter. Yep, that's Mighty Jerd. Yeah, yeah, and he is the Mighty Jerd, yeah. And I think he has a blog, too. I think he does. Yeah, but, uh, but yeah, so Mike, anything else besides the exercise uh, going on? Uh, as an anime person, Rising of the Shield Hero, 100% recommend it. Okay. First episode, I watched it last night, first episode, it took a, it took a turn. Didn't see coming mm-hmm. that for a first episode for an anime like this. I'm hooked. Okay. Yeah, my wife suddenly has started wanting to watch anime again after, like, a year-long, like, drought. So we're, we're starting to watch anime again. Although, for, for us, it's, like, all the stuff, like, we've been wanting to watch for, like, ten years and win the list. So, <laughs> again, it's... <laughs> We've got this huge backlog to work through, so we'll we'll see when we actually get to something that's like modern. <laughs> gotcha. But, <laughs> yeah. but uh but yeah, that's great to have you back on the show, Mike. It's good to be back. Alright, and so you know what comes up next. That is our five minute controversy. And the five-minute controversy is just something we do to uh, sort of loosen up before we get to our main topic and gives you a little bit of insight into us and the way we think about something that's sort of dividing uh, the geek world at the time. And so I thought, since we're talking about Gotham today, that a a piece of news that's that's caused quite a stir is that uh, Robert Pattinson... Yes, the guy from the Twilight movies has been cast in The Batman. Um, So there are a lot of people who took to social media in a storm, uh, all upset about it, all bent out of shape about it. Uh, Other people have been telling them to calm down. So I'm just really curious what everybody on this episode thinks. So, um, Gary, let's start with you. Do you think that this is a good casting choice? Do you think that we should be worried? What What are your thoughts? As a veteran of many Batman movie casting wars, <laughs> you know, I, I have always actually, and I'm proud to say, I've always been a proud member of the wait and see movement because I remember, you know, when they announced Keaton and everybody went, Mr. I was like, yeah, but did you see clean and sober? <laughs> uh, so I, I mm-hmm. think he's going to be okay because I have seen, you know, everybody likes to rag on him for Twilight, but he's done more work since then. And he's actually a pretty decent actor and he's good at being broody, mm-hmm. which Batman kind of needs to be broody a little bit, just a little. Yeah. So I, I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic, but then again, I also thought, yeah, maybe Clooney won't be so bad. <laughs> you know, it's funny because I've been in kind of the camp of wait and see, but there was this hilarious meme of a scene from Super Friends where Batman was sparkling. Yes. <laughs> it was like this Robert Pattinson as Batman, you know, leaked scene. <laughs> that was just too funny. <laughs> But I've also seen one where they did the sparkly Batman from the Lego movie too. Mm, like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right. So, um, Mylson, what do you think about it? I'm down. Okay. 
my my first instinct was yes, Twilight, because it's mm-hmm. the easy one to go to because we all recognize him from that because that's what made him. But he has definitely done a many amazing uh, serious movies that, of course, I can't remember off the top of my head because I really haven't seen them because <laughs> I've been out of the movie game in a long time. But mm-hmm. I definitely respect uh, and acknowledge Robert Patterson's ability to act and i'm just gonna go with it why not i mean i'm not happy that another british actor be, uh is is taking another superhero role but i mean you know whatever <laughs> what, 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 it's cool <laughs> so that's that's where you draw the line in the sand is uh is a foreign actor i'm gonna ha- i'm gonna have to agree with sean i mean i'm just saying it's... okay <laughs> sean, sean pointed out i'm like huh you know he makes a good point <laughs> <laughs> Okay, okay. And uh, Mike Gordon, what do you think about uh, Robert Pattinson as Batman? Um, Well, I haven't, yeah, I haven't seen him in anything other than the first Twilight movie. So uh, as far as my own experience with his range, I I don't know. Uh, But um, like uh, Gary said, I've seen a lot of not just Batman casting, but just, you know, overall casting. Uh, where it got out of hand, whether it was Michael Keaton or Robert Downey Jr. or Heath Ledger, that turned out to be just fine. Um, I think, to me, the the, the factor here is uh, Matt Reeves is behind it, and if Matt wants Robert Pattinson, then I'm okay with that, because I, I'm trusting him to make an epic... Uh, I think it's been announced that it's going to be a series. Like, they're trying to do a trilogy, right? Right. Yeah, a trilogy. So, um, so yeah, good on him. Uh, and, uh, you know, if it's if it's as entertaining as his Planet of the Apes movies were, then I think we're going to be in for uh, a nice uh, a nice set of Batman movies. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, it's the same way place that I've been. I was one of the people telling everyone to calm down when Ben Affleck was cast as Batman. And as much as I disliked Snyder's take on the DC universe, I never thought for a second that Ben Affleck as Batman was one of the problems with it. I thought that he actually did a really good job as Batman, and I'm kind of sad that he didn't get to do more uh, with the character that he's wanted to play, you know, forever. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so, I mean, Robert Pattinson, I don't know him really from anything either. I know a lot of people who have seen him in things besides Twilight say that he does have a really good range. Uh, so, um, yeah, I'm willing to give him the benefit of the doubt. If anything... My concern is more towards his appearance rather than his skills as an actor. But we've seen other actors bulk up, you know, to play, you know, uh, uh, superhero characters before. Uh, Christian Bale. Yeah, Christian Bale's a perfect example, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I was just about to say the shift he went from the machinist Mm -hmm. where you could count his ribs. Mm -hmm. He he could Mm -hmm. only bulk up after that. I mean, (laughs) there was only one way to go from that movie. Yeah, yeah. So, 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 so that's the thing. Like how Robert Pattinson looks now, I'm like, wow, he is way too scrawny. But you know, he he can definitely bulk up. They've got time because I don't think they're eyeing like a 2021 movie. I yeah. I think just uh, you know, sort of similar to our our comments uh, at the beginning of the fitness and everything, it's easier to bulk up than it is to lose weight. Right. So I right. I don't have I don't think that'll be a problem. Well, yeah, but we we wanted to bulk up in a way where he looks heroic, not just bulking up because yeah. They have they have rubber suits. Right. It's okay. He's gonna have a lot of big belly burgers. He's taken care of. Anyone can bulk up like Thor did in Endgame. It's the... <laughs> <laughs> right, personal exactly. experience. Yes, I have. I have that. the bod of a superhero now. 
All right. So, all right. Yeah. So we're all in agreement, which is good because I think we're all, uh, we're all thinkers, uh, on this podcast. Um, because I think a lot of people have knee reactions to this. And like Mr. Gordon said, the biggest thing that worries me is the, the writer and director Mm. that, that I care more about that nine times out of 10 than I do the casting. Yeah. Oh, I wonder if David S. Gore is going to come. <laughs> <laughs> Controversy. Uh, okay. All right. All right. So here's the thing. Here's the thing. Goyer gets so much flack, but he is responsible for both some of the greatest superhero stories that have been told in the last, like, 15 years and some of the worst. So I don't know what's going on with Goyer because it's like he he's, he's all over the place. I You know what? I give Goyer credit because... He built himself and his agent built himself like 15 years ago as the if you're interested in doing something related to comics and superheroes, I'm your guy. And so he was mm. the guy that they hired every time. And of course, he's not going to say no. I don't blame him for that. So, yeah, so he's right. so much output. Some of it's going to be terrible. Um, and yeah. you know, every once in a while, like, look, you put enough monkeys in a room, they'll type Shakespeare, right? So, so every once in a while, he's going to get something good. But you know, overall, I, I do tend, I do tend to think he's overrated, and I'm glad the field is now like mm-hmm. there's a lot more people than just David Goyer that are that can write superhero stuff. No, yeah. but for the for a while, that's all that Hollywood thought. They're like, well, if you're going to do something superhero, you better get David Goyer. Yeah. And, and in his defense, he gave us Blade 2 and Dark City, which are two fantastic movies. Well, that's the thing. I mean, there's Blade and there's, uh, you know, the Nolan trilogy. Yeah. Right. You know, which at least the first two installments of which were really good. So that's why I say he's responsible for some of the great, you know, comic book movies you've had in the last 20 years. And he's also responsible for a lot of Drek. So I, you know, may, yeah, maybe it is just a volume thing is, is he took jobs where he didn't really have a good concept, but he's just like, hey, they're paying me. And <laughs> so I'll try and come up with something. So who knows? Make it till you make it. I but, love uh, it. <laughs> Right. <laughs> I do like him. I do like it's, him. I'm just giving. I'm just giving stuff. It's it's like Dickens, you know. I'm paid by the word, so I might as well just you know keep on cranking stuff out. And 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 you know, I'm gonna go down as saying like I love a tale of two cities and think of the finest works of literature ever. But yeah, Dickens could yeah he could he could natter on. Um, but anyway. <laughs> Wow, did you just All compare right. David Goyer to Charles Dickens? I think he did. <laughs> now we're talking controversy. Goodness. Only in the yes. most tenuous wow. possible. There's your five-minute controversy right there. Only in the pay-by-the-word yeah. aspect. There are going to be some people that are going to be like, damn, I can't wait to hear. They're going to continue on and listen to this podcast because they're not going to know. What- just like Gotham itself, they're not going to know what's going to come next. <laughs> and there's other people that All are right. just going to be like, Gary. oh, screw this guy. Click. Gary, sci-fi classics track. We gotta do this now. Charles now Charles Dickens is like David yes, Escoyer. Or I, David Escoyer is like Charles that. Dickens. <laughs> I I will come prepared. They were both paid to write. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Best tagline ever. <laughs> I would actually love to debate some people about that. That could be a lot of fun. Wow. <laughs> But uh, anyway, this is not the David S. Goyer podcast, so we're going to move along. But, uh, oh, let's uh, pause for a moment for a promo from another five podcast. Everyone these days could use a little support, and your friends at the ESO Network are no different. 
with the ESO Network Patreon. The cool thing is, is when you help support us, it's you who will benefit. With four tiers starting for as little as 25 cents a week, you can listen to some of your favorite network podcasts early, hear exclusive content, maybe get some ESO swag, or even possibly take a shot at the geek seat. All you need to do is sign up at patreon.com backslash ESO Network. And we're back. And like we talked about at the top of the show, we are discussing the final season of Gotham. Uh, it was only a half season this year. Uh, originally, they had announced that there would be 10 episodes, but uh, sometime last summer, they announced that they got two additional episodes. Uh, and for those uh, keeping score at home, the two additional episodes that they got, which uh, sad, uh, bad on me, I didn't, I don't have the episode list in front of me, but it's the one with Mr. Scarface was one of them, and the other one was the Trial of Jim Gordon uh, episode. So if uh, if they hadn't gotten that that up from the network, we would have been missing those two episodes. So um, I don't know if that really gives us any more context when we're talking about this, but but just so that people uh, are aware that those. They, they were able to add those and so that got them up to a hundred episodes total exactly Jet, yeah. whatever you gotta do to get to a hundred and that's right so now they got syndication <laughs> yep <laughs> but um but yeah so uh so yeah, I think at the end of the show, I do want to do a little bit of a retrospective, but uh, but first we're going to talk about season five, and uh, we're going to start with the guy who uh, shares a name with one of the stars of the show, so uh, Mr. Gordon. Ah, yes. Uh, <laughs> what, uh, what were your thoughts on season five of Gotham? Uh, you know, um, I, I wasn't worried at all. I, I just was um, just going to, uh, you know, obviously when things left off, uh, it was going to be no man's land, right? So uh, Gotham is is in ruins, divided up between all the main characters of the show. It's going to be all out war, and then somehow they're going to have to wrap this all up and uh, and you know and get uh, get a get get the the first inkling of of, of Batman, right? So mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, so they've got a lot on their plate. They've got 12 episodes to do it. That's a lot, and but. But the Gotham just does, doesn't go, you know what, that's enough for us. Instead, they go, let's introduce not one, not two, not three, let's say, let's say six different DC villains this season. <laughs> like, yes. just, like, let's, intro- yeah. let's introduce them for the first time. Um, you know, we're gonna, like, who does that? You've got 12 episodes left. You've got no time. To to devote to new characters, because they're too big up all the others. But nope, they're gonna. Uh, Gotham's like, hold my beer, right? And uh, uh, so every every episode was was a treat and a delight. They continue to surprise me with twists and turns and characters doing things that I was just like, I have, yeah, I don't expect. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, and we'll get into the details of it, I'm sure. But there were some moments where I think they were really on top of their game in terms of uh, big surprises. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, Gary, what did you think about the season overall? I thought that it was the wild, crazy, unpredictable run that I was expecting. Uh, mm-hmm. I think that it was one heck of a ride. I give all the credit to the writers that they made a show that for the final season was 90% um, effective, I think. Um, I, mm-hmm. like, like Mr. Gordon said, we'll probably dive into particulars as we go along, but I actually think that the, the longer episodes may not have helped because I did not... The It's kind of like the opposite of Game of Thrones for me, which I'm the opposite of everybody else. I love the season until the finale. <laughs> the, the, I do not like mm. the final episode pretty much at all. Uh, whereas Game of Thrones, I liked. I was like, oh, and then I love the final episode. So, but you know, we'll get into okay. detail later. But I have to say, you know, it, it sure. gave me what I expected, which is don't expect anything because this show is bad guano crazy. <laughs> <laughs> and this episode was putting the pedal to the metal because oh, yeah. it's like it's like we're going to tell the story of a whole year. And then, like, and then ten years later, like, like we're just gonna jump all over the place in this yeah. uh, because we've got stuff to say. Mm-hmm. I was really afraid at the beginning when we opened with the "Here's where the season's gonna end," and then the, you know everybody up on the wall, and I'm like, mm-hmm. "Oh man, how are we gonna get here? Are, are they gonna be able to meet this?" And like, oh yeah, I shouldn't have worried. They're still on the crazy pills. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Well, at first I was like, what in the world? Like, we're jumping right into the middle of it. And then I realized, oh, they're doing a, you know, like, here, we're showing you the end. And then we're going to back up and show you how we got there thing. Because, yeah, I was like, what? Penguin? Riddler? Barbara? Jim? All yeah, shooting, shooting at people? the military. What, what's like, going on here? What are they doing? <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and uh, Mike Nelson, what do you think about the season overall? Oh, I think uh, this season holding on to be just 11 episodes was amazing. Uh, it was just uh, this in, this whole entire season encapsulized what Gotham was <laughs> since season. And it was a fun trip, a hell of a ride, and we can do whatever we want. And we don't know how we get away with it. Right. <laughs> well... You know, I I come at it from like the insanity of how did Barbara not die this season? <laughs> because I was sure if I was sure of one thing that was going to happen this season, it was that Barbara was going to die after giving birth. Oh yeah. You know, I figured she'd get pregnant, she would give birth, and then she'd die. <laughs> and somehow at the end, it's like Barbara gets a happy ending, and I'm just like, only on Gotham could that happen. <laughs> that the psycho crazy lady like is completely okay and happy and gets everything she wants at the end. Well, uh, let's. <laughs> Let's face it, even if she had died, she would have come back. Right. Well, that's true. (laughs) She could have been shot in the head and still she would have (laughs) come back. Hey, you know, that's the thing. They they did a good job giving cameos. (laughs) (laughs) I'm still wondering why Tabitha never came Uh, back. Okay, well yeah, see, that's that's gonna start uh start us off, I think, because uh <laughs> I was so disappointed that they killed off Tabitha right in the beginning. I get Ugh. that they had a lot of characters and only a few episodes, 
but the fact that you know they found the time to throw in Scarface and Killer Croc and you know a bunch of Bane, uh, Talia Ghoul, you know, I just kind of felt like you know Tabitha, no, not Talia, I'm not, ta- not Talia. Album, I'm sorry, never That's Talia right. for some reason. It's always this. <laughs> well, because they're holding Talia back for a movie. <laughs> I I okay. Well, DC's sure, so weird not? about their but... rules about who you can show and when and what circumstances and like sometimes certain characters are off the table and other times they're not because Arrow was allowed to use Talia but just a little bit, you know. So I don't know. There was there was one point uh, I believe it was in sometime in late March or April where I uh, was watching my you know run of shows for the week. And after it was over, I just went, hmm, I've seen Nissa in two different episodes of two different shows played by two different women. I never thought that would happen. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the the, da- the Rachel Gould daughter that nobody thinks about. <laughs> <laughs> the Marshy of the Al Ghoul family. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, Tabitha, I, 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 that, that put a sour taste in my mouth, um, just starting off the bat because I really liked Tabitha and I wanted to see like her, like I wanted her revenge about Penguin to be like an overarching part of the season. And and I did feel a little bit cheated by that. Now, was that something that bothered me as the episodes went on? No, because I completely forgot about it because of all the other (laughs) crazy stuff going on. But in that first episode, it soured me because yeah, I was, I was like, man, that's it. That's the whole story of her attempt at revenge against Penguin. Man, Uh, I kept thinking they were gonna. There was gonna be a way they were gonna bring her back somehow. She was like, I don't know. She Grundy. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) She she's been with Butch, so now she is like Butch. Hey, if anybody could have pulled it off, it would have been gone. (laughs) If they had got a chance to do a full season, that would have happened. You know, you're right, and that's the, that's one of the things I was going to say before, but uh, but we kind of moved on, was that it felt like to me that this was not planned as a half season, that it was planned as a full season, and then they like just like tried to condense it all into, uh, in, you know, it's like, oh, we only have 11 episodes to tell this story? Oh, okay, well, <laughs> you know, smush it all in, and so, yeah, because they, they certainly weren't, um, they certainly weren't uh, uh, worried about uh, a lack of ideas. <laughs> um so uh so yeah um we had tabitha um so we have sort of our evolution again of the uh penguin riddler bromance was another aspect of this uh of this season so um what do you guys think about that and about um you know like uh, the back and forth between them and, and how we see them end up. So, uh, Mike, what a Mike Nelson. <laughs> Mike doesn't do any good on this podcast. Mike Nelson, what do you think about that? You know, I I want that kind of friend. I, I don't know why. <laughs> that That's a level of friendship that I think every one of us deserve. <laughs> you know? And yeah. I never really, and even in the comics, I never really saw them together or I mean, just even as a friendship or anything and that's the beauty that I love about Gotham in this universe that Penguin and Riddler are just the best of buds they're enemies but still the best of buds one's possibly in love but I'm not I'm not one to know and it's god I just love and understand this as well that I hated Riddler 
I didn't like how they I didn't mm. like how they made the evolution from Edward Nigma working with Gotham PD to becoming the Riddler. Like for for me, it felt mm. shoehorned because again, at that time, I could not displace myself from what I know from comics, and and that's why I had to do since season two. I had like you know what, this isn't how the comics go. This is how Gotham runs. Gotham is its own thing. It's its own canon, and it's just you know they do what they want and they get away with it. And now that I look at Riddler now from where he was, I love this guy. I can see why Penguin loves him. I love him. And and just mm-hmm. Penguin and Riddler working together so well, they fighting together so well, and just, man, again, we all deserve that kind of friendship. And yeah, we might get stabbed, but that's friendship. Mm. <laughs> yeah, you, well, you know, I think they did a really good job of setting it up because both of them came from places of of um what's the right word for they both came from places of weakness because penguin had had this big empire in the city and it had all been taken away from him and ed had had his mind messed with and you know uh uh, you know so they'd both had these like horrible things that had happened to them the things that you know like really like defined them had been messed with and so then they sort of come together and it's pretty much the only way that I think that it would have worked after we had the fallout that we've had with them already and with them trying to kill each other of giving them a reason for why they would work together to just get out of the city. And, you know, it was great, though, because you still had that relationship of they know each other really well. You know, they respect each other, but then they also have this, like, this 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 undercurrent, you know, of, you know, they know that the other has betrayed them at different times and everything, which just made all their scenes together so much fun. Yeah, I think the only thing for me that maybe it's just a little bit too much fun. Um, like, I, I think they both lost a mm. little bit of, um, uh, towards the end, particularly. Uh, of sort of uh, uh, gravitas, if you will, um, mm. because in the season actually, uh, with Tabitha dying on on um, uh, Penguin's part, and then um, you know the Riddler being not directly semi, I mean, pretty responsible for the destruction of Haven. I mean, that's a pretty big for me. That was like a big turning point in the show, and that was a big big surprise moment and i thought oh this is going to have repercussions but once you find out oh he's got mm. a chip it he just goes back to being ed and and i was i was kind of disappointed with that like it, it they just sort of reset them both without continuing them on with um with maybe a little bit more seriousness to them well, I mean, they did a lot of that this season, though, because also, like, Barbara kind of gets over Tabitha being murdered by Penguin really quickly, too, yeah. where it's like, yeah, oh, right. yeah, right. like, Absolutely. oh, I'll, I'll give him, like, bad looks, mean looks and stuff whenever he's around, but, you know... I've been convinced that I can't touch him or do anything bad to him. And it's just like, the Barbara that we've seen in previous seasons would not have let that go. You know, she, she would have found a way to uh, to kill him. Uh, or at least try, um, and even even Zaz has uh, a couple a, a good like a sequence where he becomes like a legit like mm. scary threat, um, and then it's dialed back and he's just dopey <laughs> again. So there's a lot of like um, there's a lot of like consistency. 
Consistency. Well, no, <laughs> I got them. There's a, there's a lot of like pushes to 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 like you know of the characters, and then they mm-hmm. dial them back, which is you know I feel like I think they they because they kept thinking no no we have to end here yeah like they can't they can't just grow naturally like that we have been they have to end here so. Um, but to me, the highlight of the Penguin and the um, uh, Riddler relationship was a callback to the Batman 60s movie where they were building a sub and, and, having, and then going into sub. Like the idea of Batman, I mean, sorry, the idea of the Riddler, uh, Joker, um, Catwoman and uh, Penguin and all, all in the sub together. I was like, oh, please let me see this before the end of the show. <laughs> oh, man, that would have been amazing. Uh, Jerome was never part of it, but that would have been hilarious if uh, if he get yeah, in no, on Jerome's, it, too. Jerome's dead, dude. Is he? Oh, Jeremiah, I'm sorry. <laughs> well, it doesn't matter. Is he? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, really. Yeah, it's true. It's true. Um, and can I just say really quick too, because I, I know that uh, since we've been doing these, I was a big, big, big um, uh, anti uh, Jeremiah guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, sorry, anti Jerome guy. Mm-hmm. I'm kind of a okay with Jeremiah though. It's the weirdest thing. Mm-hmm. I got to give Cameron and maybe the writers some credit because maybe at that point they just did so much <laughs> that I was kind of like, okay, you're the Joker. Um, because I was really resistant to that the first couple seasons uh, with the introduction of Jerome. Didn't like it at all whenever he was on the screen. But towards this season, didn't bother me at all. Uh, well, I'll, I'll tell you, I actually preferred Jeremiah to Jerome anyway. I, I felt like Jerome was a pastiche of versions of the Joker that we've seen before. Like, you could see, like, oh, there's Nicholson, there's Ledger, you know? Like, you could tell, like, what elements he was playing with, and I feel like with Jeremiah, he did a version of the Joker that was uniquely his own. Yeah, that might And so I, yeah, I, so I think that they actually gave him a chance to reboot his performance by doing the switcheroo and the twin brother thing last year, and I think that that helped immensely. By the time we were in Ace Chemical Plant, I was like, this is awesome. Right, <laughs> and that also had a nice callback because they um, they had fetch. Yes, yeah. Uh, in yeah. for an episode, yeah. For an episode, yeah. Well, I mean, that was the thing. This season, they knew it was the last season, so they tried to do as many cameos and callbacks as they could throughout the season. So you know. Uh, we get Tetch, we get Zaz, we get, you know, as many old characters. I'm actually shocked. This is what I was going to say before, but we moved on. I'm shocked Sophia Falcone didn't show up because we know she's only in a coma, <laughs> even though she was shot through the head. <laughs> so I was like, oh God, they're going to bring Sophia back at some point and she's going to have something. But I was actually kind of surprised that they didn't. Even in a coma, she was able to make it out before Gotham was closed off. <laughs> Oh, maybe they did say like they evacuated a lot of the people in the hospitals and stuff. Um, but, uh, yeah, yeah. but, uh, yeah, God, that whole thing about surviving a gunshot through the forehead. (laughs) (laughs) (sighs) Um, but, uh, but yeah, so, um, anything more about uh, Penguin and Riddler? They should have let him kiss by God. Okay. <laughs> oh my I God. love the scene where I love the scene where they hug each other and they're each holding a dagger. Yeah, yeah. Yes. I, I that love was 
I think at that time I, I said, and I was like, "Oh, would you just kiss already?" <laughs> oh yeah, but, but yeah, it's, it's really one of the you know it's really one of the best relationships in the show because like everybody was saying, there were so many ups and downs they were friends. They were enemies. They were going to kill each other. They were going to have mad, passionate sex off screen. You know, it went everywhere. And I like the way it, the series ends with the two of them still kind of in that. Will they, won't they, I love you. I hate you kind of thing. So yeah. I don't know. I, I always saw it as one sided on, uh, on um on penguin's part um i never thought that ed was uh felt that way about it i know that he likes oswald but i never hey, saw that just part just of read it. the fanfic man just read the fanfic. <laughs> okay well, okay, well that's for that's for don't, everything don't go though. down there Nathan. don't and, go down there <laughs> and any possible combination of characters for any show there's a fanfic for he'll it he'll never escape it <laughs> no I, I and i kind of have to tell you what uh, i believe what, what, what mike said about the fact that you do really with this show have to let go of your comic book knowledge because mm. yeah, that was a part of my early problem with it. It was aside from other issues we talked about in previous podcasts about the first season being mm. so un- uneven, not knowing what it was, but the second it embraced, okay, we're our own version of crazy and we're our own version of the DC universe. And we're just going to use what we want and do new stuff with it and forget about the rest. That's when the show and I fell in love. Yeah, that scene where they're hugging each other is so great because it's like they're both looking at it as I've got to stab him before he stabs me. And they're both waiting for the other one to make the move so that they feel justified doing it. And then it never happens, you know, and so they're both kind of just like, oh, okay, you know, like this is we can relax and we can genuinely, you know, be friends and everything. And so I just love that. I I, I liked I thought for sure they were going to stab each other. (laughs) (laughs) That scene was so tense, you know, and so, uh, yeah, I thought it was going to be another uh, Lee and Ed moment from uh, from last season. (laughs) And then, of course, Strange would just show up and be like, just run off with him. Can can we just give one huge shout out to D.B. Wong having the time of his life on the show playing that character? Guy. Yeah. Yes, yeah, or the, another character we got for like one episode, and it was like, yes, it was worth it. <laughs> Bring back Hugo Strange. You know, he showed up at the beginning with the chip stuff, then he showed up with the the Bane stuff. Yeah, mm. my only problem there was I really wish he had called this, you know, the the skipping into Bane Venom. Mm. Uh, but yeah, he, it was. It's just every time he's on screen is a delight, and you know mm. he was enjoying himself. Yes, yeah. He 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 does such a delicious, um, like mad scientist thing with 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 his way of playing strange. That's you know, it's just so much fun to watch. So yeah, um, moving on, talking of things that aren't much like the comics. We already talked a little bit about Jeremiah, but this time we also get his Harley Quinn. Yes, we do. Poor Echo. They tried to like name her something like Murmur or something like that, and I was like, it's just. I don't know. I guess they can't use Harley for some reason, but I'm like, just mm-hmm. whatever. Yeah, and it's they, Harley. And they did that whole sort of cult of of Jer- uh, Jeremiah. That was that was thing cool. where they that yeah. that was and 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 you know, props to uh, I think it's probably the highlight of um, 
Cameron's uh, performance as Selena in that in that episode. Yeah. Mm. She's outstanding, and she kicks so much ass yeah. in that episode. Yeah, I wasn't too thrilled with uh, with the Echo Harley Quinn. I didn't think that she really hit for me, but I really feel like Jeremiah was was great, just like he was last season. And seeing him like do the whole thing of like luring Selena in to like make it think that she killed him. Mm-hmm. You know, to make her think that, and then like be like, "Yeah, no, I'm just going off to torture Bruce now." You know, <laughs> and uh, it's kind of weird though that a bunch of his plans were, "I'm gonna just not do anything and wait for a really long time." It's no, true. You play that long game. He you is crazy. Long game. <laughs> <laughs> he he's either so sane that he's crazy, or so crazy he's, he's sane. spending he's spending so much of his time digging a tunnel to Wayne Manor. <laughs> That's... That long game is sick. Okay, that was <laughs> 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 yeah. You can't you, yeah. you can't you can't not crazy. Yeah, but the thing I love about him and his, his his twin brother is we pretty much got every version of the Joker that's ever been done. Uh-huh. Um, my favorite is Jeremiah before he gets thrown in the acid. I thought he really nailed the I love that style of Joker. Mm-hmm. You know, no facial scars. He's the pale. Um, you know, I thought he was fantastic, but at the same time, while I didn't care for the way they did his scarring in the final episode, I thought his performance was finally, oh, he's full on Joker now. Mm. We still can't tell, call him that, nope. but, <laughs> but, but yeah, he was full on Joker and he looked gnarly. Oh, dude. I mean, I don't know what kind of makeup job they did for him, but he not only looked scarred, he looked Oh, yeah. they did such a convincing job with just making him look like he was just, you know, horrifically mm-hmm. mutilated. And uh, and yeah, it was it was genuinely disturbing to watch him. Old man Joker. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's what that's what I why hasn't DC done that yet. Because <laughs> Marvel has the old man shtick. <laughs> um. But uh, but yeah yeah I uh, I like Jeremiah's performance on this. I mean, what do you guys thought about Echo as Harley? I mean, did she hit for for any of you? So she was. Uh, and again, I have a friend who is a diehard Harley Quinn, mm-hmm. and she she didn't recognize her as Harley, but she enjoyed the performance. For me, as like, wow, this is definitely is Harley matching that same kind of silent crazy that Jeremiah is, but. I think what really won me over for her is that she showed the scar when she shot herself mm. and it kind of missed. Mm. And then we see the next episode where, of course, Selena stabbed him and she's just over and over him. It's like, are you awake, boss? And he wakes up. She's like, give me a shake. And she shakes her head. I'm like, why would you do that? <laughs> that was the most gnarliest thing because it's like, it's like there was no sound effect. It was just the knowledge that I know there's a bullet in there. <laughs> <laughs> it's yeah. like, that's that's a win for me. She's not the Harley Quinn I grew up with. She's not the Harley Quinn we read now. I don't care. She's Gotham's Harley. I'm a, I, whatever. That was. Okay. Yeah, I, I have to agree. I thought she was a very interesting character. I liked the performance by her. Uh, she definitely had the mad, and I really liked her death. I thought they did that really well. Mm-hmm. I thought, Daddy, I think she cut me. And then, you know, the the full true Joker of, oh, there'll never be another one like you, but I'll get another one. 
<laughs> yeah. yeah. Did you have? Has anybody here read White Knight? No. I have not. Um, it's a it's a really recent, uh, really interesting uh, series, uh, mini series that they did. Um, now it's a gra- been collected as a graphic novel, but um, and in it, it's sort of an alternate version of uh, Batman as well. And uh, there are um, this is a spoiler, actually, kind of sorry, but um, it's revealed that there are two Harleys. Like one, there's hmm. the Harleen Quinzel, uh, Quinzel that uh, is the traditional like Paul Dini animated Batman uh, uh, that we've seen that we know and love. But then there's uh, like the 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 other one, the sort of like slutty Arkham Knight um, cheerleader Harley. And I kind of mm. thought that Echo was more that second one than than mm-hmm. the the first one. So, yeah, I, I I would yeah I felt like she was kind of vacant, you know, in a way that you know I mean yeah she came off as crazy, but like I I think of Harley as being more substantial than that. And uh, I, uh, I uh, but again I, I'm heavily informed by the animated series, sure. and so sure. I always kind of measure characters by by the char- the versions from the uh, animated series. Well, and I think it's fair, you know, for all of us who have history with these characters. It's okay for me if they do something different with them, as long mm-hmm. as that's interesting and stays. Not, it doesn't have to stay. Well, some basics truth there, but that that can be a little loose depending on as long as they give them some weight, right? So, yeah. like, and I thought that, like, more so than Harley, I thought that the one that they really dropped the ball on was Bane. Yeah. Um, like it, it's you know they 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 totally rewrote his origin and his him himself as a character, um, and I, I just I just didn't find him interesting in this at all. Yeah, he was a lackey. I mean, it's like Bane and uh, Batman and Robin, where like he's just there to be like Bane, you know? <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean he's yeah. Well, and even in um, and even kind of like he is in uh, Dark Knight Rises. Where he's just like uh, he's just like a hired thug from the Ras, from mm-hmm. Ras's daughter. Yeah, it really does feel like. Well, we've got to do something with Bane. We've used everybody else. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he was the big Batman villain that they hadn't done yet, and yeah, I would have preferred something more like you know the 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 comic book version i'm sure they thought well mexican wrestler that turns into uh you know this killer is is kind of a little bit wacky even for this but um <laughs> that, no, I mean, no 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 see, well, that's, but, that's uh, one should never think that <laughs> that's one way of, of origin the other one was that he was actually a military he was a guerrilla fighter and and mm. that's the that's the origin that even I recognize that Gotham went with. But I mean, yeah, for me, still with Bane, he is of that Hispanic descent. He's Spanish. It would be nice to go that route. Yes, I, uh, I agree. Yeah. I agree with that too. I mean, especially this day and age where it's really dangerous and not a great idea to take characters that have established like ethnicity and have been played by white guys. Well, but he also was bland. Like, his personality wasn't all that interesting. Like, yeah. oh, yeah, I'm a soldier who was guy. abandoned. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so not only did the they whitewash him, they like they, they made him bland on top of it. So and They really uh, wonder-bred him. <laughs> right. They did. And, and I will have to say, because I never, I don't watch the previews. I don't really catch up on any of the 
most news about it. Mm-hmm. So I didn't really know Bane was coming until he she put the mask on to save his life. And she mentioned Bane. I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> him? <laughs> him is going to be Bane? Then they actually show him. He has like this Darth Vader looking chest on him. I'm like, this is... Uh... And ever since Tom, Hard- Tom Hardy's Bane, everyone... <laughs> has to wear hold his hands on their chest on that vest right there. <laughs> they all have to hold it now. Yep. At least I can understand him better than Tom Hardy as Bane. Not gonna lie. My biggest problem with him also was the plan of okay, Bane's gonna walk into a United States Army setup, tell the guy in charge, no, you're working for me kill the guy in front of all the other soldiers and they all go, yeah, okay, that's how military rule works. <laughs> right. There should have been like 16 guys pulling out guns and shooting him, calling for the MPs. Uh, yeah, I I thought that that was a bit far-fetched also. <laughs> Even by Gotham standards, I, this is this is the plan? Really? <laughs> you know, because the uh, army is known for being able to be intimidated. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I mean, well, and the other thing was, so they do iconic breaking the back moment, but they do it with Alfred. How dare you? <laughs> yeah. Oh, back. <laughs> I know, but that was the weird thing because I was like, oh no, Alfred's back is broken. They did the thing, and then next episode, Alfred's like walking around. He like what had a cast on his arm or something? I can't remember. It was it was like yeah. a minor injury like, kind of thing where it was. It's okay, uh, Mister White. It's just a right. <laughs> Well, you know, he's still kind of got some of that Lazarus pit right. juice in him. <laughs> yeah, oh, true. I was wondering about that in this season. I was like, wait a minute. We know there's like a Lazarus pit under Gotham. Like, why don't you guys just go back there and like bottle that stuff? I think it's in the atmosphere. That's why they keep dying and coming back. <laughs> that, that's definitely going to be on how it should have been done right there. <laughs> that does remind me another part of the whole thing that fell apart me with the plan. My father came here and you murdered him. Uh, excuse me, but wasn't your father's plan to come to Gotham and get murdered? I mean, that was right. the plan. Right? <laughs> As I recall, I need Bruce Wayne to kill me. Wait. <laughs> You're saying- Apparently he didn't inform uh, Nissa of his plan. <laughs> because no one remembers Nissa. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. Even he didn't think. He's like, no, that's why Talia isn't there. He told yeah, Talia, Talia the knew. plan. He, right. <laughs> Talia was okay yeah, with it. Do you believe it? Dad's dead. She's like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, did you not read the note on the fridge? This was his plan. <laughs> when I started realizing that it was like the League of Assassins kind of thing and that we were going to go that route, I was really worried for a moment that she was going to turn out to be Talia. And I was like, all kinds of weird with the age that Bruce is. Talia's the cougar, man. Right. It's going to. This is. Maybe because of. Maybe because of my ignorance, I can't remember. We never what happened with uh, uh, what was it with Barbara having like the control of the league and the power? I, I think that was still last season, but I can't right. remember how that resolved. She she lost that when Race came back. Yeah, Race grabbed Raish it back basically, okay. and then oh, that's Raish right, died again. Raish. right, yeah, yeah, Raish got yeah. yeah. And all the ones who remained loyal to her, we saw get killed. Yeah, in at, next to the last episode when they showed back up the sirens and like, yes. oh look, all the dead women. Yep. Yeah. Yep. That's a message. <laughs> 2019, I think not. <laughs> uh, 
but uh, but yeah, I mean, so we got Nissa, which was another surprise. Um, you know, because I see, I'm always it's always weird to me how Warner gets about some things because it's like you know, it's not cool to use Deadshot because he was in the Suicide Squad movie, but you can have two different versions of uh, Nissa Al Ghul running around on two different TV shows, and that's okay. Yeah, I, I don't. It wasn't Deadshot in the Flash anyway? Well, yeah, that's what I'm saying. But they they that's why they killed him off was because oh, gotcha. they were about to do the Suicide Squad movie. It was like, oh yeah, Berlanti shows you can't use Deadshot anymore because people will be confused <laughs> if Deadshot's... Use Deathstroke. Right, if Deadshot's in, you know, Arrow as a white guy and then he's Will Smith in Suicide Squad. It's too confusing, you know? <laughs> so... Yeah, and I think that Gotham may have had a little more leeway than the CW show since it was on, you know, Fox in C. But yeah, I mean, it, it is weird how they get touchy about. Well, nobody knows who Nissa is, so we don't care about Deadshot. But here comes Arrow. No, we know. <laughs> we know her. <laughs> I just think it was weird too because this season of Arrow, I was watching it, um, and there's no place for Nissa at all, and she just randomly shows up in that episode that week, and I was like, "Wow, there she is again." There's Nissa, and I was like, "That's just strange." Oh yeah, she was training the, uh, Oliver's daughter in the future. Yeah. Yep. Oh, yeah. 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 No. Which I thought was amazing because I was like, oh yeah, like who are you gonna teach to? Who are you gonna get to teach the daughter if Oliver's not around? Like Nissa, that's a great idea. You know? <laughs> so I kind of liked that idea. But anyway, that's this is the Arrow podcast. Um. <laughs> but um. It's weird for me too because uh, you know Nissa didn't. I mean, there was no Nissa when I was growing up. Mm-hmm. I mean Nissa. Was it was created? I think in the nineties. Yeah, because yeah, because uh, Greg Rucka uh, created her uh, for a um, uh, I can't remember the name of the series now, but it was um, uh, Death in the Maidens. I think that's what it was called. And uh, and anyway, so yeah, it's not like she's got a long history or anything like that. I, so I don't understand why she's the one that gets most of the attention. Yeah. Well, I think it's because Talia is under more from Warner, and so it's like, well, we want to use Rachel Ghoul's daughter. It's like, oh, you can have Nissa. Hey, we wanted Talia. Nope, you can use Nissa. So mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't, that's the only way I can guess it. But what was weird to me was like a lot of the season felt like a riff on Dark Knight uh, Rise mm-hmm. because a lot of. Uh, Nissa's plan is echoes of Talia's plan. It actually even has a bane, just like Talia had in Dark Knight Rises. Yep. And it's like the whole thing of coming to Gotham and destroying the city to have revenge on Bruce or killing her father and all of that kind of stuff. So it was weird because it felt like I was watching, like, you know, Dark Knight Rises uh, redux, but you know, it was uh, let's show you how to do that better yeah <laughs> <laughs> hey, can I copy your homework? You're yeah, right. just, you know, just change a few things <laughs> <laughs> well, to me, like I said like to, for me, it's just a way that Gotham uh, and sometimes successfully and sometimes not so successfully but just interweaves like stuff from the movies, stuff from the animated mm-hmm. series, stuff from the comics, stuff from the 60s show, like it just does so from from scene to scene. Um, so there's there's always elements out there. That, and sometimes I don't know if it's intentional, but there's elements in there where you're like, okay, I, got, I see where they got that from. So it still feels like a Batman thing. It still feels like Gotham. 
No, I, I would agree with that, because, yeah, like I said before, like, Jerome always felt to me like it was, like, mix and match aspects of everyone who's ever played the Joker. Sure, sure. So, like, yeah, I mean, they definitely play with concepts and, and you know, try to use what elements work uh, and then just mix in their own stuff on top of it. Um, but, uh, but, yeah, another thing that we got this season, uh, and I think you mentioned it before, Mike Gordon, is we got a whole lot more Batman villains. <laughs> And and most of them didn't. I mean, you know, Bane and and uh, uh, Nissa got the most screen time, but we got the thing that I've been asking for five years, and we Man got Mister Scarface. Oh, I thought you were gonna say Magpie. No, <laughs> <laughs> I didn't. I, I, I really didn't think you were gonna say Magpie. Yeah. Um, Scarface is the thing I because you know like like he's such an easy villain to do so why not like like conceptually and 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 you know being able to pull him off physically you know and, and so I was like why haven't they done Scarface I was so glad the show lasted just long enough and it was in one of the two episodes that were you know, kind of filler that they were given at the end because they had already planned out the rest of the season but I'm so glad we got that episode because it was such a fun episode. <laughs> Because, like, the disdain that Ed and and and, um, and uh, Oswald have yes. for the guy <laughs> who's talking through his puppet and the way that they're just trying to get through the situation was just beautiful to watch. I, that, I and again, I don't know, I don't watch previews and I didn't see that coming. No, and and, and Scarface for me was a fan favorite for me too. Uh-huh. And, and, and seeing the accountant become the ventriloquist i'm like wait a minute this, this is amazing this is a uh, and the guy looks like he stepped out of the, the i mean the animated yes. series is where i know him best yes. from it looked like the animated series character just stepped right out what shocked me was i'm like how did i that guy's been on this like for four seasons now or whatever and i'm like yeah. how did i not recognize this guy as scarface before now <laughs> Yeah, yeah, he's always been the Penguin's bookkeeper yep. since he became big. Yes, yeah. And I'm like, how did I not see this coming? And honestly, I'm uh, actually, I'm actually mad, mad at Gawson because of this. You give me, you give me Scarface. You give him such the introduction that is so believable because it's exactly how it is. Like he had his pin up anger. He needed a way to channel it. Here's a puppet with a gun, and <laughs> it, it worked out so well in weird-ass world that is Gotham and I only get it for one episode? Yeah. Because I was very you. saddened by yeah, that. If yeah. they get a full season, he's on for at least three episodes. Mm-hmm. He gets a little story arc. Yeah, just give me a little. Three episodes. Give me that. That's all I want. I want him. I want a whole gang behind Scarface trying to take over an area. I want that. <laughs> and that would just be like I'll be heaven with heaven. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. unfortunately, sometimes Nigma has fits of common sense and goes, "This guy's crazier than we are. He's got to go." <laughs> I hate the logic that Riddler provided because that was true. But he he killed a favorite character. Yeah. And speaking of, because you know, we made the joke, but I actually really do like the character of Magpie mm. and always have. And to see her pop up and then get that brutal killing i was like okay yeah that kind of fits (laughs) yeah i didn't really know her from anything because uh you know she isn't one of the characters from the animated series and so i was just kind of like okay this is a little weird (laughs) 
<laughs> but again, it was fun because, like, you know, always watching Oswald try to interact with these crazy characters and him just like, losing his mind over it is is always fun. Uh, my favorite, most unexpected but awesomely placed uh, character that appeared this season was, uh, and I don't even know if he's got a name, but he's like the the mutant king from Dark Knight Returns. Oh, uh, yeah. He's, yeah. He's, oh, he's yeah, yeah. It's like, I'm like, as soon as I saw him when when uh, Selena started facing off against these punks, I'm like, yeah. no, no, yeah. this is awesome. Yeah. I was like, I'm glad you brought that up because I wasn't going to. But yeah, I saw that and I just could not believe that they brought in those two guys. And we see him again, too. I was like, this is mm. a <laughs> yeah. they, they really did it i think he was just the mutant leader uh yeah, they did they, a, that's all he was yeah. Yeah. But, but what a what a nice um yeah. like i just you know I, fly on the wall i would have loved to have been a fly on the wall when they were like going you know what we'll do we'll, like don't make him a random punk let's just who can we make him i know and then boom <laughs> like that's just awesome that guy that guy could go to cons and make a fortune yeah they also went for Killer Croc this season. Who called Killer Croc? <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, that was kind of weak, though. I mean, yeah, it, it, yeah that was kind of like, it was just like, they didn't they didn't say it was Killer Croc, of course, because I guess they couldn't do that legally either or whatever, but it was just this loot, and it just doesn't go anywhere. Yeah, there's something terrifying in the sewer. <laughs> Remember it? I, I don't remember that. Oh, yeah, no, it was the thing they, they who, who did they have to rescue in the sewer? That was the one of the precocious Haven kids. My daddy's missing. Yeah. So they went looking for dad, and it was one of the times that, one of the many times that uh, Bruce and Alfred decided, yeah, we'll just go off and do this thing on our own. Screw the, the rest of the cops. <laughs> right. Oh, a side quest. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And it it was Killer Croc without saying it was Killer Croc, and I can't remember did they kill him or did they leave it as a is he dead or not? They left it as an is he dead. Yeah. Classic Gotham. Right. <laughs> well, because you know when we're going to do the revival series in 10 years. So, <laughs> to take up from where the series ended. Um, and uh, we have Selena in the season. I mean, we'll have a moment. If we if we talk about every character, uh, we're probably going to be here forever. But uh, So, I'm just going to try to touch on the major ones. And then we'll have an opportunity at the end to, to mention anyone else. Um, so, I'm going to skip over Ivy and a few of the others for now. Uh, but we have Selena. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and, you know, I'm going to say Selena was another one where if they hadn't had the episode with Ivy... Where she's like, you can give this thing to Selena and it will heal her, but she will become the darkest version of her character. I would have been completely fine with Selena's art because, of course, she wants to get revenge on Jeremiah and you know all this other stuff. <laughs> but I felt so let down by the this is the darkest version of her character thing because it's like, yeah, you know, uh, other than that she wanted to get revenge on Jeremiah, I I didn't really see like super super duper dark. Um, out of her. Now, after she, she kills him, she's kind of just back to normal. Yeah. I vented my darkness. I'm good now. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, this is not... They, they, they keep the characterization they need for the story arc, and then they decide whether or not to abandon it after that. 
Uh-huh. It's like my joke earlier, consistency in my Gotham. <laughs> right. Yeah, because it's like, I, you know, I, I, I wouldn't have been disappointed if they hadn't given that line, but I just felt disappointed because I thought it was going to go somewhere. And other than the revenge on Jerome, which she would have done any, or Jeremiah, which she would have done anyway, I don't really feel like it, anything happened because... Yeah, I think you're right. And to your point earlier, Nathan, it's like, it, yeah, they dropped the ball on it, but we don't care because this show is just so <laughs> insane and it's just got the pedal to the metal and it's just like, okay, well, just move on. Yeah, well, I mean, the early part, you know, the first few episodes where she's, like, struggling, you know, and she's even at the point where she's, like, ready to kill herself because, you know, she can't move, she can't move, she can't survive, and that's what she is. She's a survivor, and so she just doesn't want to live, you know, in, in a world where she has to depend on others. You know, all of that stuff was great. You know, like, I felt like she's a great actress yeah. and she pulled all that off. So, I mean, um, I'm, I was actually, I was both relieved and sad when she wasn't in the final episode. Because I feel like it's a lot easier to make up an adult to look 10 years older than it is to make up someone who's like 18 like they're 28 so i was a little worried about that and i'm glad also with bruce that we never really see him full on when he's supposed to be the older version because i feel like it would have looked really really fake you see i'm actually completely 100 percent opposite with you because you let everybody else be the same it wouldn't take that much to make her look a little different and i think they robbed the actress i'm, she I'm with gary here's what i'm gonna say all right here's something you may not be aware of she took twitter before that episode and said i'm not going to be in the final episode of gotham and i want you to know that was my choice not anyone else on the production teams because i didn't feel like i should be playing the older version of selena kyle you know, I mean, she didn't go into too much detail about why she came to that, but that was her choice, not theirs. It's Gotham, though. <laughs> they could have figured out some way, like, and, like, look, like, like look what they can do with CG, you know? Mm. Like, it, it just doesn't make any, like, to me, you know, it was awkward having, it felt awkward having someone else play Selena in that last episode. It really did. I was like, mm. who is this woman? Like, I just... It took me out of it. More than anything else in that final episode, that really I had a problem with. Yeah. Uh, they they did a good job, though, with a match. Yeah, I mean, as good as you can. I mean, though, certainly I better think, than any of the yeah. Poison Ivies they've replaced. But <laughs> It's like, you're supposed to be the aged-up version of her? <laughs> I said, we have to congratulate Peyton List for actually making it to two seasons as Poison <laughs> <Right>. Ivy. <laughs> <laughs> But, but I feel like with Bruce, it's even more egregious with how little we saw of him. Mm. And, I mean, put, I mean, it wouldn't have been – we don't even see him as Bruce. We just see, you know, shadows of him. We see shapes of him. And at the end, we see the guy standing on the roof in the costume. That easily could have been the guy whose name escapes me. It really easily could have been him. There was no reason to recast that. And he deserved a chance to stand in the bat suit. I thought it was yeah. him. I yeah, thought that was, was. I thought that was David Masseuse. Yeah, I thought it was David. Oh, I yeah. heard they'd recast, so I retract my statement. No, 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 not for him. No, no, it was only Selena that they recast, and that was. She said that that was her decision. Okay. So yeah, but um, but yeah, I mean, um, 
I don't know. I feel like if they tried to age up David to make him look like I am a man now, I, I don't know. I think that would have looked tacky. They put like stupid, like they would have drawn stubble on him. Even you know? <laughs> <laughs> Lance Dangerfist. <laughs> That's why I'm saying in ten years they need to bring the show back and then get all the actors back and then be like, okay, now you can play Bruce because you know the older Bruce because you are older. Um, but, uh, but yeah, Jim Gordon is just like, get a little mustache. <laughs> Although with that, I wish they had let him keep the mustache through the whole last episode because yeah, yeah it does look kind of dorky, but it's our dorky, right? That's the Jim Gordon we know. Yeah. I was kind of disappointed that he shaved it off. I was like, cause it, that was, it was just one of those things that was done like as a joke on the show, I guess, but mm. yeah, yeah. Why, why would that mustache was shaved off? I went, I, I tuned out. I was I, I, I was there, I was there. At that point, it's like, oh, you're gonna shave the mustache. I'll just wait for Jeremiah. Okay. <laughs> all right, all right. I, I, I do want to come back to the final episode with okay. a couple other okay. things. Just, but but yeah, let's talk about the rest of the season a little bit more. Okay. Um, you know, uh, I feel like the villains had uh, more interesting arcs overall. Uh, but we definitely ought to talk about uh, the world's greatest dad, aka Alfred. Um, yes. <laughs> who I will finally get it to talk to at Dragon Con. I am so excited. <laughs> you don't need to rub it in. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Mike, no one is stopping you from going to Dragon Con. My bank account is. <laughs> you can't say no one. My bank is telling me that. How many people you know who are going to be at Dragon Con that you can just show up at their hotel room and be like, I'm crashing here. <laughs> Look, those ten people are doing things, okay? <laughs> Good, you can stay in their room. You, you can stay in their room while they're out. <laughs> Anyways, back to dad. Right. Oh God. You know, I, I say this probably every season, but I'm gonna say it again because it's my last chance. Every time he pulls out a little uh, martial arts, I just think about the fact that he was probably sitting with his dad, and his dad taught him that Venusian Aikido that he knows, and. <laughs> it just warms my heart every time to think about John Pertwee and Sean Pertwee like practicing martial arts moves together. <laughs> that that's that's some good imagery, man. That's yes. <laughs> I don't know if it's gonna be insulting or if it'll make him happy or what, but I'm probably gonna gush more about his dad than I'm gonna gush about him when I talk to him. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man! But um, from what I understand, he sounds like he doesn't mind that at all. Okay, good. Well, well and the thing is, I do love his performance on Gotham. I mean, that's the that's the. I mean, he is amazing, and you know, it's hard to do that character. You know, I mean, it's hard to do like. You've got to believe that this guy is both, like, this respectful, humble butler, but also this tough-as-nails special, you know, like, soldier dude. And he pulls it off. You know, I, there's never a moment when he's on screen that I don't buy that, A, he has complete love and devotion to Bruce, 
to Bruce's parents, do anything for them. At the same time, I believe that this is a man with a dark past who is, you know, completely capable of taking care of himself, uh, but is also, like, completely happy to, like, handle the domestic matter, you know, at a, at a large estate. I, I don't know, but he, it's, it's like a weird, eclectic thing, but he does it, you know, and so I, I, I don't know. I, I think that his relationship with Bruce has been one of the, uh, you know, foundations of the show. If that didn't work, then I think Bruce would have worked, you know, and and I think we would have had a huge, you know, issue with the show. And, um, you know, so, yeah, I mean, Alfred and Alfred being in danger this season and, you know, all that kind of stuff just, like, sort of just up the ante for me because I, I was concerned <laughs> multiple times, and I am glad that he made it out without a broken back. Yeah, I mean that when when Bane got a hold of him, I I was like I was really scared. I thought, oh, are they gonna kill him? Yeah, I was like, oh man, they really are gonna take some license here to have a version of Batman without Alfred. But uh, yeah, any uh, any other thoughts on uh, on Alfred? I think like you, I think you laid it all out. He's one of the cornerstones that made this show work. He was one of the rock solid bases they could build around. And having met him at Con, he's a sweetheart. He's a lovely man. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. I, I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. Isn't Robert Lord Taylor going to be there, too? Probably. I believe I, so. Yeah, I need to look back up again who's going to be there. Because I can't remember who's actually going to be there and who are the people that, like, in my dreams are there. <laughs> so I need to start differentiating that. <laughs> We could probably segue there, though, to Penguin, because we talked about him a little bit. But, yeah, I mean, right. by the time this series is over, it is so much. It's Bruce's story. It's it's the Penguin's story. It's Alf's story. Mm. I mean, the, the person it's the least story of is the guy who's supposed to be the main character, Gordon. He's still the most bland character on the show. Because um, <laughs> somebody's got to well, be the straight well, man. Uh, 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 the least of the main characters. I mean, there are still characters that are lesser than him, but he's the one of the, of the ones that are supposed to be main. He's the he's yeah. He's the, the vanilla pudding of Gotham. <laughs> but Robin Lloyd Taylor really deserves some sort of Emmy or an award or just recognition because his performance from beginning to end was what is another one. Him and and mm-hmm. and Pertwee just carried this show. It's like, well, this not so good, but yeah. they'll be back in a minute. <laughs> Yeah, I, I gotta say that I agree with you. Like, as far as characters who, from the beginning, have been like uh, fun to watch, and and the characters that you know are putting in the best performance, I'd say yeah, that's true. Because I don't think I don't think Nigma, I don't think you know he found his like true performance until somewhere in like the middle of season two. Because I agree with Mike Nelson that first season I did not care for at all. Um, he was one of the weak points to me, and so. Uh, I'm glad that he became a far more interesting character later. Um, yes. But, yeah. I think, uh, you know, obviously we'll probably talk about the legacy of the show, but when we when we talk about uh, when all is said and done about the legacy of Gotham and how it inf- go, goes on to influence the, the, the rogues gallery or the world of Batman going forward, I think uh, right up there will be uh, Taylor's performance as the penguin i think the penguin has been redefined 
for uh, for generations now uh, in a way that he wasn't before. I think writers uh, going forward and be looking at his Penguin, they'll be adapting his Penguin um, going forward more so than almost any other character that's been on this show. Well, well, yeah, because yeah. I mean, when you think about it, I mean, you basically have the Burgess Meredith version of Penguin as the iconic version. The Danny DeVito thing was just, you know, weird, and and <laughs> even though the animated series went that route, yeah, yeah, but for some people, for a lot of people, that's yeah. like that's iconic as well. I mean, that's, I mean, that's well, sure, there were a lot of eyes on it, but I, I don't know, did, does anyone actually really like that depiction? I'm sure somebody does, but um, I mean, but I, I do think, I mean, that's like, look, I mean, that's. That's hard to do. I mean, to to eclipse or to even come close to, you know, the 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 Burgess Meredith version or even you know the Danny DeVito version. That that was tough to do. He had a tough job, right. and he had to introduce a thin uh, penguin to us, which I don't think anybody was willing to accept for the longest time. And uh, even at the end, they kind of said, "Now nah, let's." Uh, Oh, well, the, so 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 yeah. Best, we got two. Uh, I mean, we got two things here. I think with the penguin. I mean, the first one is the point that I was trying to make of. Um, the, I think he modernized the character because I think yeah. When you when you're not going the mutant freak. Danny DeVito version, what do you have? You have the Burgess Meredith of this sort of, like, upper-class villain, you know, who likes to, to dress really fancy. He's got a monocle, you know, I mean, but and he likes to rob things and has a love of umbre- umbrellas and birds. I think that, you know, he, he brought Penguin into a more modern version. I think the other thing that he did was the problem that Tim Burton said that he had with adapting Penguin was that he said every other Batman villain, you sort of get the psychology of where they're coming from he's like penguin i have no idea you know like the studio insists on him doing penguin but like burton had a really hard time with penguin which is why his version is so different because he's like i have no idea what motivates this guy and 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 he probably it probably would have helped if he had read some of the comics <laughs> uh, which he insisted that he didn't so um so that was on him but um i will say you're right. I mean, to that that extent. I mean, yes, they he took they they you know they took the writers and Robin together, uh, you know, because now when you look at Penguin and you're like, oh, how could he be a threat against Batman? Like going forward, how could he be a threat against the Dark Knight? Because he obviously isn't physically a challenge to him. You know, what does he bring to the table? And what we've seen for you know all these seasons is that this guy is a survivor. Mm. Like this guy will make it through somehow by hook or by crook, he, whether it's, you know, by luck or his charm or mm-hmm. whatever, like he will make it through and he will survive it. He will find like, he will find a way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's a planner. He's a conniver. He's vicious when he needs to be. I mean, there, there's a T-shirt I still want to pick up where someone took the iconic Scarface poster, the black and white. Where it says Scarface across the top, they put him there, and it says Cobblepot, and I was like, "Oh, yeah, oh that's I, awesome!" Yeah, yeah, it's like he's a gangster. <laughs> yeah, I, I really think that uh, more than any other character going forward, like this, that Gotham's legacy will be. Yeah, like no, I, I agree with you, and I think that, like, you know, like he, like he redefined Penguin. I think, and and he's. Uh, you know, he's given, I think, future writers something different and, and innovative to work on, whereas a lot of the characters that we got here were interesting because of the performances, but, you know, they were derivative of what's gone before, which is fine. 
But, you know, there's definitely, yeah. you know, I mean, when you're doing a, a Batman origin story, then you, you got to expect that some, <laughs> there's going to be a lot of stuff, definitive stuff you've seen before. Um, but, uh, yeah, let's uh, let's move on. Let's talk about Jim, if anyone wants to, for a moment. Um, we've already said that he's the most boring of the main characters. Um, Jim, season one, this is not what we expected. We wanted, we were expecting a nice procedural cop show, <laughs> showing that the Gotham PD take down the villains that the Batman created, but the Batman's not here, but here are the villains anyways. But you tried your hardest. You tried. <laughs> and seeing you as the brash, wide-eyed, I'm going to go by the books cop, all the way to now, you somewhat go by the books. You do what needs to be because Gotham has corrupted you, and, you know, it was going to happen one way or the other. Congratulations, Jim. You made it through, except for your mustache, which we all hate. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, the thing, you know, if he wasn't so busy trying to find himself a wife, you know, maybe he would have been so, <laughs> a lot more interesting. <laughs> As a man trying to find himself a girlfriend, I can relate. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So did anyone else think? that the whole wedding sequence was a little too self-indulgent and kind of wrong time and place. Love. Love is love. Nah, you know what? I think actually knowing that the two of them are really, like, together in real life, I, I thought I was okay with it. I'm like, you know, and look, I mean, bo like, uh, he's been uh, behind the scenes. He directed and wrote, like, episodes this season. Mm -hmm. So, mm -hmm. I mean, he's uh, he has doubled down on on his his sort of commitment uh, ben mckenzie has to this show so i i i gotta give credit for that um so yeah i mean certainly i think we all wanted would have rather had a penguin riddler wedding at the end of the season uh <laughs> but instead you know that's okay um and look like you know still but uh, i mean i could be wrong but i think james gordon is the only guy that gets any action this season, if you know what I'm saying, and he does twice. So, <laughs> right, like, with, sure. you know, so you know, he, <laughs> so you know, as as a, a Gordon to Gordon, he's keeping the family legacy going on strong. Nice. <laughs> I nice. like that. Um, yeah, you guys need to get together with your cousin Flash, <laughs> and uh, we need to do a podcast of the Gordon Boys. But, um, yeah. He has a wicked yeah. soundtrack. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's true. Um, yeah, and I do have to say, you know, as much crap as I give Gordon as a character, I give none to Ben McKenzie because, no. like he's like it was pointed out, he's stepped up as a writer, as a director. I think behind the scenes, I think he's been great for the show. And mm. uh, it's just the portrayal of Gordon, again, is like, Oh, I'm a killer and everybody hates me. Oh, I'm the savior of the city and everybody loves me. Oh, wait, I'm a monster again. <laughs> yeah, I've fallen victim to the thing that I've seen when other stars write their own episodes of I am the god among men and can do no wrong. Like, anytime Christopher Judge writes a Stargate episode, I just roll my eyes because suddenly, like, feels like the god among men and women just throw themselves at his feet. And I'm just like, okay, man, you're just writing, like, your fantasies down on, on a script and it doesn't doesn't make any sense but okay <laughs> okay nathan nathan time out 
one of the episodes that Ben, the ben wrote this season was <laughs> the trial of Jim Gordon, and that's the one where he's where he's like having like flashbacks and delusions on a and and so it is pretty it is pretty well sure, but it's self involved, but you know. And and you know what's weird about that one? That one's directed by Aaron Richards. <laughs> oh, that's really? actually interesting. Yeah. So so that's that's just that's just right. that's crazy. Yep, yep. All right. That's Gotham. <laughs> But but here's what I'm going to say positively about uh, Jim and, and Ben McKenzie's performance. The bit where he's bonding at the Haven, oh, and yeah. then, like, at the end when he's going through the rubble, and he finds, like, what was it, a badge that he gave the kid yep. or something? Yep, it's bad. And, and, and the look on his face, I mean, he sold like the horror of of that moment and so i i i you know like he he i like i think somebody said it, you know it's not him it's it's he's just not written well a lot of times because yeah i i like got kind of chills the way he looked because i was like oh my god somebody's gonna somebody's gonna pay for this um yeah and i think uh like when we were um a couple seasons ago i actually blasted gotham because i think they should have uh, that scene that uh, that that story arc where um, Penguin befriended a kid, mm-hmm. and oh, yeah. then uh, you know he quote unquote killed him uh, and blew him up and everything, and then it turned out that he didn't. And I was like, mm-hmm. man, I wish they hadn't gone back on that. Um, I was really thinking that they were going to go. Back. They were like, nope, we're you know we draw the line. We won't kill kids on this show. And I'm like, nope, they killed the kid. All right, that's awesome. Yep. Yep. <laughs> yeah, they did. Yeah, that was real. Um, you know, Harvey, of course, is love in the show, and uh, I'm I'm just so glad that they that they've kept him through it throughout. You know, even when there were times when they looked like they were writing him out or you know were minimalizing him, because you know if we didn't have Harvey in this season, you know, it just would have been like kind of slog, right? <laughs> <laughs> but Harvey always keeps things so much fun. And, you know, Donald Logue, I think, is another one of those guys that we got to put up there with Sean Pertwee and uh, Robin Lloyd Taylor. Not because he's as important to the show as they are, but I think that he's been turning in a stellar performance since day one, just like they have. Yeah, oh, I, yeah. I will agree with that. Yeah. yeah he's definitely the, the average Gotham cop, whereas, you know, our, um Gordon comes in to be the guy I'm going to clean up and Harvey's like, yeah, I try. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah, I like that they went back to his past with the episode with the woman who could, like, change her face. Um, yeah, and and I like that they brought up like you know because I wondered about that every once in a while well, like his old partner that he's been like helping out and everything like <laughs> we haven't heard about him in you know four years and so they kind of went back to that and so um, you know they 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 brought up his past again and things that you know again we saw that you know Harvey was a, a jaded cop and a guy who had been part of some you know stuff that he shouldn't have been and you know anytime that they go there I think is also like interesting because you need that sort of counterpoint to Jim and the way that he sees the world. And so, um, you know, I, I, I like that one. And finally, we have our Bruce, David Masseuse. Yes. Who, I, I gotta say, you yeah. know, he was one of the elements in the first season that didn't work for me. I was like, I, I just don't mm-hmm. buy this kid, you know, growing up to be Batman. I just don't see it. And... It's been partially, you know, work, you know, working on his performance and his acting and partially he lucked out by having a growth spurt (laughs) 
because you know that's one of those things where I'm like he, he they they could have been unlucky and he could have just been like this short little guy for the last five years and then it would have been really hard to imagine him as Batman but um you know but uh, but physically he's sort of grown into it as well as the fact that he has just basically put in all the legwork that he needed to to like come off as being you know convincing as this is someone that could after you know additional training and everything else become the dark knight and so i i liked you know i i love seeing him with selena um their relationship it can get frustrating at times but I, that's no different than batman and catwoman anyway <laughs> i understand there was a little issue with a wedding earlier this year um let's move on <laughs> um but uh well, and especially especially great because he wasn't really supposed to be in the show that much. It was supposed to, mm-hmm. you know, he wasn't he was supposed to show up pretty much at all the, the pilot. Yeah, they were like, wait a minute, we got something that works here. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, to be fair, the first season consisted of, uh, you know, Gordon visiting Bruce and saying like, hey, have you found my parents killer yet? And Bru- Gordon going, nope. And he's like, OK. And then Gordon leaves. Gordon shows up a few episodes later. Bruce is like, hey, did you find my parents' killer yet? Nope. Okay. <laughs> so it took a while for them to figure out what to do with Bruce. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, I, 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 I feel like, you know, with the struggles that he's had with Jerome and then with Jeremiah and, you know, all of the things that they showed him doing this season to help out and to try to, like, help the city. I almost said save the city, but then we're mm. veering into Arrow territory, and <laughs> I don't want to cross those streams. Um, but, and even to his decision to leave at the end, which is what had... I mean, that's what I said way back when in season one. I was like, I think Bruce will leave Gotham, and then they can bring him back in a couple of seasons after he's, like, been out in the world and seen stuff. Um, but they finally did that decision so that, you know, he could grow as a character. Um, you know, even though we don't get to see that, it gives the potential for that, you know, Batman growth down the line. Um, you know, so he made that decision and everything. I mean, I feel like they've done a good job with that arc. Um, so other thoughts about Bruce and his arc? I have to say that one of the few things I did like was the whole, that I thought did work about the whole Nissa Bane storyline was it did drive home the whole, all this is happening because people want revenge on Bruce Wayne. So mm. it pushed the, how the, it really forced him to, this is why he has a secret identity. Mm-hmm. This is why he does Batman and the cowl. It's like, okay, it's not just a comic book conceit, which I'm fine with it just being a comic book conceit, but that they made it actually logical and made it work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Mike Nelson, any thoughts on Bruce? Bruce, since season one, <laughs> you weren't supposed to be here, man. <laughs> God, supposed to be a police procedural about how Gordon is gonna stop the God, gonna stop the Batman villains without Batman. But lo and behold, we had Batman the entire time, and not even just Bruce Wayne. No, this dude was Batman. It annoyed me from the beginning that he was here much props to the actor i think he's done a fantastic job Mm. uh but i still have the disdain of bruce why are you here i think starting in season three 
I started being okay with him. I mean, season one, like I said, they had no idea what to do with him. He just kept asking Jim if he found his parents' killer, and that was all he really did. And season two was the whole, like, don't work for me anymore, Alfred. You know, like, I'm a petulant child. I'm going to go to my bat cave if I want to. And I didn't really care about that either, but I think about the time they got to season three, and we see him, like, actually, like, doing some legitimate training, and he's, you know, starting to develop some of the skills he's going to need. I, I started becoming a lot more interested in his story. Yeah. I mean, he had, when when you look at Bat, at Bruce Wayne becoming the Bat, as he basically became Batman by the time he turned 18. And uh, I would never, ever get rid of that. <laughs> but, uh... But if you look at Gotham into the metamorphosis of Batman, Bruce did a pretty damn good job. He did a good job. Uh, didn't like it because I didn't want Bruce Wayne involved whatsoever because, I mean, it's it, even with Bruce Wayne involved, it was still Batman involvement. And I, and I wanted a show that had the Gotham PD, Gotham PD stuff without Bruce. And there were a lot of moments that, that Gordon and his team did everything. Did a lot of stuff without the help of Bruce because Bruce was on his side quest stuff. Luckily, mm-hmm. so I will never take that away from 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 Gordon and them. They did their job, but I just still was not a fan that Bruce was still an involvement in this. And even if it did bring us Lucius Fox, which thank you Lucius for helping the Gotham PD out in every which way. <laughs> Yeah. I've never gotten over how overqualified Lucius is for that position. <laughs> it's just like, really? Really? He's going to work for the Gotham PD for four years? <laughs> I just, uh, okay. He's like a scientist that worked for Wayne Enterprises. Like, yeah, I'm just going to be your forensics guy at the police department. Okay. <laughs> okay, sure you are. I build that resume, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Mike Gordon, anything more about Bruce that, that you wanted to bring up? Uh, no, I think it's already been, most of it's been said. Uh, I, you know, I agree. I think, you know, Bruce, un, you know, wasn't, <laughs> he wasn't the main reason to watch Gotham. And uh, it was, he was, mm-hmm. but David did a great job with what he had to do. I mean, those are not easy shoes or boots to fill. Um, you know, we talk about mm-hmm. the legacy of a character. If you're going to go play Batman, that's a big deal. And, uh, and, and so I think he, he pretty much got us there from the kid that saw his parents get mowed down to, uh, the guy who was willing to take on what needed to be done in the city. I think that journey was well played out and, uh, and he did about as good a job as you could have with that role. Yeah. Um, so now it's my final episode. Uh, I know we kind of touched on it a little bit, but uh, Mike, since you've already been talking, Mike Gordon, um, what were your thoughts on that as a way of ending Gotham? Um, I can't say it wasn't like as fellows go. It wasn't like the worst and it wasn't it wasn't the best. It was just kind of there. Um, I thought this, some of the you know, some of it was silly uh, for me. The highlight was, uh, you know, seeing that cobble pot familiar shape mm. and, and take like really mm-hmm. take place. Um, I thought that was really uh, amazing. Um, but the whole like, you know, Gordon's going to retire. Yeah, we know he's not going to. So what the what, what the point is this for? Um, and, 
you know, of course, you know, there's a shadow, like, uh, you know, attacking people or, you know, trying to do stuff. And I'm like, okay, we know who I thought it was, it was okay. Um, it was thrown off by the, um, the recasting of Selena. So I, I can't say I really appreciated all of it, but I understand that that's kind of what they needed to do to, to get us there. You know, I think, I think if, if I'm going to use a comparison, if I'm allowed, um, the season finale for Smallville got us there a lot smoother than this did. All right. Uh, as far as as far as prequel series mm. goes, let me pitch you an ending possibility. You know, we, we we do our final episode. You know, the end of the the No Man's Land and everything. You know, Bruce flies off, and suddenly eyes open, someone shoots up in bed. It's Michael Keaton, and it was all a horrible dream. <laughs> no. Christian Bale. <laughs> then, then I would have, then I would have like, I'm like, George Clooney. Too far. <laughs> I would have said Adam West, but that was possible. So <laughs> that would have been my first choice, actually, because he probably would have done oh. it. Because <laughs> Adam West was always <laughs> eager to do any kind of cameo or anything in any show. So. <laughs> But um, Mike Nelson, what did you think of the uh, of the Gotham Valley? No one needs to. This is a clean podcast. Nathan. Oh, okay. Uh, wow, that bad. It was like I like I said before. As soon as he shaved off the mustache, I tuned out and I was just waiting for Jeremiah. He had his whole turn of being catatonic the entire time, and then it's like, oh well, I guess it's time to do do work. I'm like, oh okay, let's wake up then. Jeremiah again was a saving grace to the episode. Having, you know, we make fun of Brandon Rapp and being the stalker Superman. <laughs> this was yeah. stalker Batman. And this is like, <laughs> no, Batman's always been stalkerish. Exactly. He's always been stalkerish. He's not just brooding, he's a stalker. And it was just weird because he was just flying around, just. Oof. Like you just you just heard the flapping of the cape. It's like, what are you doing, man? Yeah, for, forget fighting criminals. He was just trying to watch Selena the whole time and just stopping crimes as they like kind of yeah. came in his way. It's like, put it back, Selena. <laughs> Why? Why should I believe you? Is this a tele? Is this a telemundo? What telling the way? But what is this? <laughs> <laughs> wow. And, but yeah, it was. And then, really, again, it was from. I had the mustache. It was gone. I had Jeremiah, the laugh, the batarang in the hand. <laughs> like, oh, yeah, man. This is great. Everything else, I know. How are they? How is Aubrey James the mayor again? Yeah. We don't question it. Just don't. Because Gotham. Just uh... I think that was more of just they wanted to do a callback to that earlier episode, yeah. so they just hand-wove it and just been like, hey, Marigan, the people of Gotham are stupid. They'd elect them. <laughs> you remember me when I was the mayor? <laughs> Wouldn't you like that again? I was Both terrible. I was terrible. Thank you. Right, thank you. So Making Gotham great again. <laughs> well, I wasn't going to say it. Yeah. But it's there, America. <laughs> I think I think for a series that, you know, really cut its teeth on being really insane and you never knew what was going to happen, I think the most disappointing thing is that the finale is just kind of by the numbers. Mm. Yeah. Uh, the best thing out of the finale for me 
was see the the street lamp from the end of the original Adam West Batman series. Mm. I don't know if anybody else caught that, but when he when he had Cobblepot and Enigma t- trussed up the shadow on the wall, it was like, oh, it's the street lamp. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I'm not sure I've ever seen all the episodes of the original Batman series, so I, I probably don't even you know. You don't have to. It's at the end of every episode with the, the, the Gotham skyline and the street oh, lamp. Oh, I see what you're saying. I thought you meant it was something from the very last episode. Yeah, I'm West Ryan. Oh, oh no, no. you're talking about that. Oh, okay. No, I didn't catch it. Yeah. That that to me was like a oh that's cute. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that is a nice touch. Yeah, I mean, I think I thought more positively of that final episode than you guys did. I mean, yeah, in a way, it was it had bland because they were doing such a big time jump, and so they couldn't like involve us too much in what was going on, or we would just be upset. The thing that surprised me the most was by how happy I for a character I hated since day one. If you had told me by the end of season five, I would be happy for Barbara. <laughs> you are not wrong, sir. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's yeah. I, I cannot believe how much that by the end, and you know, with the whole thing with her being pregnant and her being worried about the kid and being protective and worried that Jim was just going to take the baby away from her and her like coming to grips with Lee and being like, you know, hey, you're part of this too and everything. By the end of that, I was just like, oh, Barbara actually made out okay and you know she bought up all that like really cheap real estate after the city was like almost demolished and you know so made a fortune it's like oh that's actually kind of nice you know I'm, I'm glad for her so um i was really afraid they'd killed her when when joker shot her in the bar i was like oh my god they're mm, killing her off that's what i thought too i that's because that's what i expected it's like okay then jim's gonna raise the baby and that's you know then we're gonna go forward and see you know the older gordon with barbara you know as his daughter and etc but you know i'm and yeah again it's a different version right you know and so they did what they wanted to do with it but i'm happy that barbara keen got to you know do okay and it was nice seeing that everybody was doing what they wanted to do i mean you know You know, Ed and uh, and Oswald had been in jail for years, but, you know, they got out and they were doing what they wanted to do. You know, it's just, I don't know. I, I, the thing, the feeling that I had at the end of it wasn't anger at the episode. It was just sadness that I didn't get to see the more continuing adventures of these characters. For me, it was just more of a letdown of really, this is, it, it felt like so many missed opportunities. It felt like there were some great bits, but too much of it, like you said earlier, was by the numbers. Honestly, I'd have been mm. happier if it, the previous episode had been the final episode. Just leave it there. Yeah. No. Like I said, for a show that like really continuously surprised me, and I didn't know what was going to happen next, the finale, I was there wasn't anything that I remember going, hmm. like 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 I didn't. I expected something to be like, oh my god, I can't believe they did that, and that didn't happen in the finale at all. Well, I think part of the problem was that they said that that was the way they always were going to end the show, which means that this was the plan, like, since day one. Yeah. So it couldn't have been anything too outlandish because it was, like, something that, you know, before they had done all the crazy stuff they did in the intervening years that they want. So they always wanted to end it on a shot of Bruce as Batman, and that's the only shot you ever get. You know, they always wanted to do, like, the flash forward. And- well, I think... That's not going to surprise anybody, right? right? Every Batman story ends with Bruce 
like up on the on the, on, the, on a gargoyle or on a building like you know looking at the city like that's 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 i expected it to end that way but everything else i kind of thought would be you know something surprising but yeah. wait does so so does the 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 fact that we saw like barbara and and jim's baby uh, does that count as an appearance by Batgirl? I'll allow it. Yes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> just on, just trying to get my, you know, everything straight here sure. as far as uh, uh, appearances by uh, superhero characters. Yeah. Now, uh, my so so as we wrap up here, um, I do want to talk about the legacy, like Mike was saying. Um, so, uh, Mike Nelson. Um, what what do you think? You know, do you think this show is just a show that's going to be forgotten because it was so different, or because it, you know, uh, or do you think that this will be something that'll have an impact on the the Batman mythos? I think I think this will have an impact uh, on actually on how to do a Batman, on how to do a Batman TV show. Mm. We. Our first, our first uh, version of that that we had to us was Arrow on D on the CW. <laughs> we can't get Batman, so here's Oliver Queen as Batman, I, basically yeah. Green yeah. Batman. <laughs> and and then we had Gotham, which was going to so not supposed to use that concept, but still used it. And like it was said here, the writing for these characters, the writing for villains was on point. These this wasn't a show that had clear defined heroes. We were following the heroes nonstop. We followed the villains. If anything, Gotham should definitely be used as an example on how to write good villain stories. Because we because at the end of the day, we loved our villains in the Riddler. We loved Penguin. We yeah, Celia was kind of villainous. Whatever. But we we cared about them. We still remember the amazingness that was a character that was made for this show, Fish Mooney. We can, they can easily, these folks can write characters, and we need more of that. Because as it was said many times in every other form of media, when you can care about the villain, you have a good story. You have an amazing character. And that's why I think Gotham has done it. was these villains that we care for. And I care more about them than, yes, I do about the Gotham PD or even Bruce, because they were more fundamental than everything else. We they had a story to tell and that and that was Gotham mm. for you. Is there one thing that stands and I'm going to ask everybody this. Is there one thing that you can say stands out for you about the show, like a, a specific thing? It was literally her head with the bullet in it. Okay. Nope. Cool. That, that's, that's never going to leave my mind. Okay. If I ever see someone shake their head, I was like, they got a bullet. They have a bullet in their head. That was that was just. <laughs> I want to meet her. Get sure. Bring her to Dragon Con. I'll meet her. It's like, how did you do that? <laughs> awesome. Um, Gary, what do you what do you think is the legacy of uh, Gotham going to be? Uh, I think it's going to be the legacy that a, we're going to keep believing that a Batman TV show without Batman can work. <laughs> it's not quite correct. Because it, it, you know, it, it was all about Batman without Batman. Um, mm -hmm. And uh, I really, what I hope it will, this legacy will be 
is that the creators realize that while they should honor the comics and the source material, they don't have to be beholden to it and do their own mm. thing with it. And it, the more that they do that, the more the show is going to be enjoyable. Yeah, I mean, it, it's a show that survived on a major network for five seasons. So, I mean, it's something that they, they ought to learn something from because... You know, it wasn't a success. <laughs> and yeah. on Fox, too. I mean, they were right. very quick yeah. to pull the trigger. So. Yeah, even the mute didn't make it five years. They only made it three. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah I mean, and that that's uh, we're seeing a little bit of that in Legend of where it's getting the crazier it gets, the more fun it is. Um, Doom Patrol on the streaming service is showing that if you embrace the crazy, you will definitely get an audience. So I would hope I would like for that to be its legacy. I hope its biggest legacy isn't though that, well, we just need to do Batman. You know, there are other DC heroes. Yeah. yeah I don't know. I think, I think Warner still thinks that, you know, Batman is its bread and butter and, and you know, everyone else is kind of upshoot. Um, that has more to do with the creative types they put on it than it has to do with a particular character. But Space yeah. Jesus. <laughs> if I was going to think about anything that symbolizes, or whenever I think about this show, I'm going to think about Penguin. Okay. I'm going to think about how he went from being the umbrella holder to who was probably supposed to be the main star of the show. Hmm. I mean, it's not mince words. I think they really expected her character fish mooney to be a bigger deal and then they wrote her out uh you know well, and to be fair they didn't give her the best stuff to play off of <laughs> they after they put her on the boat it was all downhill so i can't understand why she wanted to leave <laughs> yeah i mean that that for me i think is probably going to be i mean whenever i think about gotham i'm going to think about cobblepot and his story and he the the change of his character will be reflected in the comics mm. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. I think that that's going to be the Penguin of, you know, the next generation. Um, yeah, it, it's exactly what the animated series did for Mr. Freeze. He mm. uh, And Mike Gordon, um, what do you think the legacy of this show is going to be? Well, um, before this show, um, you know, Birds of Prey prove to the studios that you can't do a Batman show. <laughs> so, so, um, you know, they were really, I, I could see where they were really leery about doing something like this until I think Smallville kind of convinced them to do the same thing. Um, because there was, there was rumors that that was going to happen for the longest time. And, uh, and then it came to Fox and, uh, they did it, you know, they, they did it. And, the legacy of it, I mean, we're going to see uh, the, the, the guys who uh, were running with the people who were working on this show uh, were working on a, a, a Superman show without Superman. They were working on a Lois and Lex show. Now, I don't know if that's still going to happen, but and I'm, don't ask me if it sounds like a good idea because it doesn't. But um, <laughs> we do know that we're getting a, a prequel series of Alfred uh, coming out. Of this. Mm -hmm. So... Uh, so the legacy of, of Gotham will still continue, at least for the foreseeable future, um, as far as on the screen. Um, but uh, and there may be some sort of, you know, uh, callbacks to it at some point. Um, but I think for the most part, it was pretty uh, as crazy as it was. It was still pretty derivative 
Um, and I think, you know, we'll look at outstanding performances. Obviously, I've talked about, everybody's talked about Robin Lord Taylor. He's the guy that is going to come out of this, like, better than anybody, really. Um, although with a, you know, I mean, look, I mean, he's going to go on to play other characters. And people are going to be like, um, is it the Penguin again? I think he's, his probably best bet is to go back to being blonde. Because um, that would help him a lot, I think, in terms of people getting over... Uh, the whole like he was penguin thing. Well, you no, know, he has he has an advantage that a lot of people who are typecast don't. That so much of that penguin's performance performance was the physical part of it. Which if he's not playing somebody right. with a limp, you know, like I think that he gets away with you know because it, it's easier to transition the character in people's minds if he doesn't have that sort of physical trait that's so closely associated with yeah. the character. And I think you know, um, whereas uh, mileage may vary, but for me. The other two outstanding performances that I were, were noteworthy throughout the whole run of the show was um, uh, Sean uh, Pertwee as Alfred, um, uh, B.D. Wong as Hugo Strange, and uh, Donna Logue as Harvey Bullock. I think those are like those are the reasons that I tuned in when sometimes it was kind of like an early on when it was tough to right. Um, yeah. mm-hmm. I think those are the guys that kept me going. Um, when sometimes it was just like not crazy enough. Um, but uh, you know, the, the thing is with the Batman universe, there's so much competition yeah. that when people go to like invest, you know, want to read or watch or experience Batman stories, is this one going to be in anybody's top 10? It's a lot to ask of somebody, but I do think that there are some real great gems in it. And I think as long as, as long as you're willing to take your, whatever your belief of what the Batman mythos is and set it aside, like (laughs) way aside, like, like put it on a boat and get it out of here. (laughs) Because uh, they're going to play it. And that's the fun of it. And, and I think, you know, I think Batman is one of those characters that is a character that can can survive various interpretations and iterations. And this is just proof of that as well. Mm. Is there one thing besides uh, Robin Lloyd Taylor's performance, because we already mentioned that one, is there one thing that you think of as like the like most iconic, you know, part of, of Gotham? Um, the, just the, the, like I said, the craziness of it, you know, the, the absolute crazy. I mean, we all joke yeah. about it, but the fact is everybody I know who, who loves this show loves it because it's, it's, it, it's not afraid to go out there and do things. Um, and I think a lot of TV shows could take a look at what Gotham has done and be like, let's just like, like why, why do we have to like, like adhere to this mm. particular like rule or legacy or whatever. Like, let's just have fun and let's just see where this story goes. And, and you know what, if like someone comes in and just blows someone else away, uh, suddenly let's roll with it. Like, let's just go with it. And, and that this show probably did that more successfully than any other show I've ever seen. Yeah. I mean, it's a double-edged sword, right? Because 
when you make a change to something, people want it to be better than what was there before, right? So, like, you know, uh, and but at the same time, if you make a change and it falls flat, then people say, why did you change something that worked well the other way? And so I get why creative types are always, like, mm-hmm. kind of, like, dithering on this, because it, it's difficult to know what the public is going to establish character, because it's like, yeah, you might do something that's such a phenomenal change that people are like, hey, I don't care if it's different from the comics, it's great. Or you might do something that's different from the comics there and was like you messed with something that worked well and the new version is stupid and it's going to vary for different people too so you know i i, I don't think i don't think change for change's sake is good you got to make the change interesting but that's what i think they did so well on this is they made the changes interesting and i think the fact that they never took it seriously they says like the new version you know, like, this is this is what, you know, the Batman mythos is going to say now. It was kind of like, this is our own crazy tale, you know? <laughs> so take it or leave it how you will, you know, and, yeah. and, and, you know, but I think people take it a lot more seriously when it seems like there's a note of officialness to something. Like, you know, if, 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 if a comic company reboots, you know, its characters or, 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 you know, makes it like this is like sort of like the version we're going to go with like in movies now you know, whatever, and it's different. That's when people start getting a lot more upset um, if, if it's something that they don't feel is working. Um, but, yeah, for me, um, you know, I think that they kind of made a believer in me for prequels because as much as I hate prequels in <laughs> I, I i was fine with the ride and you know and 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 one you didn't mention mike is krypton which is uh another show that came out after this came out i don't know if it was influenced by the fact that this was on fox good but, call yeah and uh but you know i think that's kind of a yin and yang thing i mean we'll see with season two of krypton which i i probably will watch the beginning of but season one of krypton i don't think worked well at all um but that's the thing usually i don't like prequels um, but, uh, I, Gotham made a believer of me that, you know, if you do it well, you know, it, it can still be really good. And again, I think it helped that it wasn't like that they were trying to say, this is the official new version of Batman. It was just kind of like, of like our alternate weird take on some elements of Batman and you'll see some familiar stuff, but you'll also see some crazy weird stuff too. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I, uh, I, I think, um, you know, that's going to be part of the legacy here is I think the theme more prequel, you know, adaptations of things that are side stories from comic concepts. You know, and I guess Smallville started it, but I think Gotham sort of legitimized it more by being on, you know, one of the big four, you know, whereas Smallville had been on WB. Um, yeah, that's a that's a fair point. And so, um, so yeah, um, I think that's going to be part of the legacy there. As far as iconic elements of the show, um, it's kind of hard for me to find one thing either. Um, I think that I'm just going to go with the fact that, um, you know, the you know I've always loved the animated version of the Riddler um, from Batman, the animated series, but they had the episode with Lucius and Nigma locking horns with each other 
which I thought yeah. was an excellent episode in Gotham that will yeah. now be part of that sort of Riddler, you know, like, like when I think of the Riddler, you know, I try to ignore the Jim Carrey version. To a point. To <laughs> but, a point. you know, it's like, you know, you think of, what was his name, Frank Gorshin, you think of him from the old Adam West, I think of the uh, the animated one, and yeah, now I'm going to think of uh, of the Nigma from Gotham and him locking horns with as being like one of those, you know, iconic riddler moments so um yeah yeah um but all right so uh we've been going a little long um but uh in your shout if you want to mention anything more about the series like something you just want to shout out about i know we glossed over some of the characters in season five just because there were so many and if they were only in an episode or two some of them we just kind of maybe name checked and and moved on but if there's anything more you want to say um say it now um so uh, Gary, why don't we start with you? Um, say anything you want to about Gotham, and then say goodbye and let people know where they can find you. Uh, I think it was an amazing show. I thought they did very well. I think when they should have, I do mm. think one more season probably would have been too far. Mm. Um, and again, give it up to Jerome, to Bullock, to Cobblepot, to yeah. Uh, it, it the show really shouldn't have been as much fun as it was. Mm. Um, I just love the fact that they named the next to last episode. They did what? <laughs> that pretty much defines our reaction every week. Yeah. Wait, they did what? Uh-huh. <laughs> yes. Uh, you can find me at DragonCon as co-director of the Sci-Fi Classics track. You can find me on the Twitter as Gary underscore Mitchell, Mitchell with one L. Uh, yes, it's my real name. I'm also trying to do Instagram a little more lately. Um, and you can... Uh, that that's pretty much it for right now. And you can find me here and when any other podcast, let me join my mouth. Oh, and on who's the doctor talking outside the box, part of the retro blasting network, a video podcast about, uh, Dr. Who Gary, one more thing that I wanted to ask, uh, would you recommend Gotham to anyone or would you suggest that they've got to have a certain, uh, you know, mindset going into it or, or what are your thoughts about recommending the show? I recommend it. I recommend watching like the first half of the first season and then jump straight to season two mm. uh, because the show really did kind of meander for that first season, tried to decide, are we a comic book show? Are we a police procedural? What are we? And then right around season middle point season two, they figured out, oh, we're crazy. <laughs> no. I'm so sad that they lost Ben Edlund because I think he was one of the best writers they had in that first season, but. Oh, well. Well, he's serious. But we got the tick yeah. for two seasons. Don't get me started. Right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. So, uh, yeah, Mike Nelson, um, say anything more you have to say about Gotham. Uh, mention if this is a show that you'd recommend to people. And, uh, yeah, then uh, sign out. You? Gotham, you opened my eyes to crazy. And this is exactly what happened with Arrow Season 2. You just you 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 have a format. <laughs> it's kind of working. You get a chance to do season two. Open the floodgates and do what you want. Just do it. It's great. Uh, and I do recommend it. Just skip season one and don't watch the very last episode of uh of this fifth <laughs> season, and you have a great time. Oh, okay, Mike. I gotta ask you now. Yeah. If if we went back in, uh-huh. you know, this is Mustache Gate all over again, <laughs> but. If we went back in and CG'd the mustache onto Jim in every scene after he shaves it, would you be okay with that episode? I know it would be a fake mustache in my heart, 
<laughs> the real mustache was in you all along. <laughs> <laughs> but if the mustache was there, CGI and gosh darn it, I will CGI if I have to. Uh, yes, I would be 100% okay with the last episode if the mustache was still there. CG, <laughs> CGI or not. <laughs> or well, actually, yes, it needs to be CGI or real. Yeah, it is kind of the opposite of what happened with. Uh, with um... Justice League because uh, there that should be there and it isn't. <laughs> but <Yep>. anyway, <laughs> all right. So so sorry, sorry I interrupted you. So yeah, um, just uh, so would you recommend Gotham and then uh, say your goodbyes? Yep, watch it. Uh, it'll be it should already be on Netflix if by the time this thing comes out. And yeah, it's it's a, it's a very good binge. And like I said, the villains are amazing. And you guys can of course find me over on Twitter at this is Trex. That's uh, T Rex Rar. <laughs> I had a Rar now. Okay. And uh, Mike Gordon, um, say anything more you have to say about Gotham? Say if you would recommend it to people and uh, and then say your goodbyes. I would uh, definitely recommend it to people. Um, I mean, obviously, like I said, mileage may vary, but even if you're not, actually, it might even help better, not a huge Batman fan. Uh, but if you're just, you know, wanting to have fun with a show, obviously, as we've mentioned, the first season's kind of like rough. So, so you'd have to like, you know, go through some bumps, but you know, the end payoff is worth it. Uh, and it becomes not, you don't even have to wait to the end. Uh, the second season by the second season, uh, midway through the second season, you'll be like, I, you won't even remember what you hated about the first season. So, um, so it does a great job that way. I'm going to miss <laughs> Uh, the craziness that is Gotham. I do think that, you know, prior to this show, we thought of Gotham as just a really, you know, gothic-looking Tim Burton city that Batman was in. It not really a really understanding how crazy that place really is. It's just a hotbed of crazy. And uh, I'm going to miss visiting it every week, except I did get a sense that from the crossover that Batwoman might be tapping into this. So even though we're leaving Gotham now, I do think this fall, since we'll be going right back into Gotham, I do think there'll be an element of that. If they can keep that spark going for that show, uh, I will. I am definitely on board with Batwoman. So, uh, if, so if Batwoman hires him, hires Marvin Lloyd Taylor as Cobblepot, I will not. <laughs> <laughs> That uh, I would love to see them cross the streams, uh, you know, as far as that goes. And yes, I hope that this isn't the last time we ever see Robert Lord Taylor play Penguin. Um, but uh, yes, and thank you, Nathan, for all the times that you've allowed me to come on and, and just uh, rave about this show. It's been a lot of fun. And uh, you can find me every week on the Earth Station One podcast. That's at the ESO Network. Uh, you can also find my books and my uh, soon to be starting kickstarter on the new issue of tiki zombie you can find all that information at it uh, newlegendproductions.com or newlegendmike.com bye tiki zombie the pointed yeah oh thank you <laughs> and uh yeah i mean from my standpoint i would also recommend the show i think a lot of people hesitate to get into it if they're not big batman fans because they think it's going to be something that's like steeped in lore and I have to say, well, first of all, if you're listening to this and haven't seen Gotham, then and I know that at least one person listened to one of the earlier Gotham podcast episodes without having watched the show. Um, I would recommend it. I would recommend that you go back, give it a try, because it definitely does not require Batman knowledge at all to watch. Um, and 
Um, you know, and yeah, if you do have Batman knowledge, you just have to know that you need to leave some of that at the door um, because they're just going to do their own thing with it and just care about the performances, care about the stories of the individual episodes. Don't worry about the fact that, you know, I mean, and sometimes it will be problematic. I mean, we brought up Bane this time uh, and sometimes they, they make a bad call. But, you know, overall, I think they've made really good calls with the things that they've changed about the established Batman lore. Um, but yeah, other than that, um, as far as Gotham is concerned, uh, the one thing I didn't bring up from season five, uh, that like, uh, I just weirded me out completely. And I don't know if that was like a hint at something that people steeped in comics lore. No, there was this terrifying episode, um, Gordon in this hotel, this murder hotel, (laughs) That was all kinds of creepy, and uh, Mm. it was a great episode, and I kept waiting for an explanation, and we never got one, and that just made it creepier. Um, So, (laughs) uh, yeah. Um, The other thing I wanted to mention is that, uh, even though I joked about it, um, I am totally cool with them reviving this show in 10 years, and doing like an actual Batman show, and getting all the actors back. So, um, you know, uh, Warner... Uh, you know, uh, especially since you guys now have your own DC streaming service and you don't need to put it back on Fox. Um, you know, think about it. Think about it. I think I think people would watch it. So anyway, uh, Mike, Mike, Harry, thank you so much for being on the episode. Thank you. Appreciate it. Yeah, thank you. And that's a wrap on our Gotham Season 5 episode. I'm actually kind of saddened by this because it really wraps up the end of a show that I enjoyed a lot. I didn't think I was going to in the first season, but once the show found its feet in the second season, I really, really liked it, and as offbeat and as weird as it was, I always enjoyed it, and so I bid a fond farewell to Gotham. It would be cool if they brought the actors back sometime to do some kind of reunion project, but I don't hold my breath with the new way that the DCU, god, I still hate that they're calling it that, the DCU is going, so we'll just have to see what happens. But yeah, right now I want to know, what did you think of the episode? Uh, You can let us know in a lot of different ways. One way is to go to our website at 42cast.com, leave us a comment there. One way is to email us at everything at 42cast.com. Another way is to go to our Facebook at facebook.com slash 42cast, leave us comments there. Or you can get in touch with us on Twitter or Instagram at 42Cast. So lots of different ways you can get in touch with us. You can also leave us reviews on Stitcher or Apple Podcasts. Apple Podcasts is helpful because the more reviews we get, the more likely we are to show up in searches. So if you have an Apple account and if you haven't left a review yet, I would really appreciate if you would do that. I also want to let you know about the ESO Network Patreon. That's a way that you can help all the shows on the ESO Network. You get access to early episodes, exclusive episodes, and a whole exclusive ESO Network podcast. So you can just go to patreon.com slash ESO Network. You can look at the different tiers, see what you get for those tiers. And if you have the funds to contribute, we would greatly appreciate it. You can also find me on two other podcasts. One is Time Streams, where my friend Juliet and I are going through all of Doctor Who from the beginning. You don't have to purchase the episodes to listen along with us. We give you everything that you need to know about each story in the podcast. So if you just want to listen to our banner banter, you can do that. Or if you want to follow along with us, you definitely will get more out of it that way. So if that sounds interesting to you, that is Time Streams. 
The other podcast is Legendary Forces, where Juliet and I again, but also joined by Corey, Joe, and Ashley are going through all the Star Wars fictional media from the beginning. That's the movies, the TV shows, the comic books, the novels, anything that takes place in the Star Wars universe. We not only talk about the quality of the thing that we're reviewing, but we also talk about what it does to inform us about the greater Star Wars universe. So we sort of look at that as it changes. So we get into issues of canon continuity, what ideas from older canon got kept in the newer canon, even if it was changed slightly, all that kind of stuff. So if that sounds interesting to you, that is Legendary Forces. In con news, I am for sure now going to be at Fan Expo Chicago. I will also be at Chicago TARDIS this year. So those are the two places that you can find me. Chicago TARDIS, I'm definitely going all days. Fan Expo Chicago, I'm not sure. I might only go one day, maybe two days. I doubt I'm going to go all four days. So definitely I will be there, though, at some point. In other news, Beth and I are watching the National Treasure series on Disney+. We're actually both liking it. We're kind of digging it. It's definitely aimed at a younger, you know, sort of late teen, early 20s audience. But for that kind of show, it's really not poorly written at all. And it's kind of intriguing. It has a horrible grasp on history, just like the second National Treasure movie. It sort of theorizes on some sort of pan-indigenous American alliance that there's no historical context for and even including like things from up in like the northern united states all the way down to the incas in south america and they were all like talking with each other and it's just it's 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 bogus it's garbage as far as the history but the adventure side of it is is fine and it's a fun show it's nothing that i would take too seriously i'm probably never going to do an episode on it so that's why i'm just letting you know it's a fun show I recommend checking it out on disney plus and of course we're watching superman and lois cuz that's come back uh, I'm not sure if I've mentioned the new Night Court. We're really digging that. We're really digging the new Quantum Leap. I really like a lot of the updates. There's certain things that they've gotten rid of from the original show that I'm kind of like, oh, why did you get rid of that? But for the most part, I think the changes that they made have been good ones and very... I'm really looking forward to whatever the end of the season reveal is going to be because I'm sure there's going to be some big thing that they're going to drop on us to sort of put the whole season in context so we'll see what that is but yeah definitely excited about quantum leap um but yeah that's it for this week join us back next week when aubrey joseph will not be joining us and until then this is nathan signing off You have been listening to the 42 cast copyright 2023 got a question for the ultimate answer contact us at everything at 42 cast.com theme music is sharper swords by brandon ellis check out more of his work at www.cityfires.com the 42 cast is a proud member of the eso network has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping for the Tee Public Store, which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, 
your station for all things geek.